good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan Charles back in studio with us after he stared down death earlier in the week and said, get the hell out of here, death. It was, it was something like that, right? I don't like, think it was no. quite. Uh, I thought I it was like a boxing it. match with The Undertaker that you had that you <laughs> said, get the. That wasn't quite it. Stan had a little bit of a, um, a medical issue early in the week, but he's good to go. I think what the doctor did say, though, for sure, was a little more powdered donuts. More, and, you're, and you're all right, Definitely right? that. That, yeah. was, that yeah. was the play. Hey, uh, you can bet $5 with DraftKings and instantly get $200 in bonus bets for this weekend's big game. Get this and other great sportsbook promos and specials at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Busy day ahead of us. Stan is here. Brian Billick's going to join us in a little bit. Of course, former Ravens head coach. We'll talk to him about Bullies of Baltimore. Also preview the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I don't know what I just said. The Supper Bowl? I like like my bowls in a supper, actually. We'll preview the Super Bowl with him as well. Uh, Later on, our friend Quint Kesnick from uh, ESPN is going to check in with us. First full weekend of college lacrosse season. Everybody will be in action. Actually, you know what? There's one holdout. UMBC waits a couple of weeks before they play a lacrosse game. They're like uh, single-handedly over there. Ryan Moran is protesting the early start of lacrosse season and saying, we don't need to be playing when it's two degrees outside. Last Saturday when these teams were playing, it was miserable. Uh, But we'll preview the first full weekend of college lacrosse season with our friend Quint Kesnick. And uh, later on in the morning, Jacob Copeland, former University of Maryland wide receiver, is going to join us. One of three Maryland wide receivers who was invited to the NFL Combine and expected to hear their name called in the NFL draft, along with uh, Rakim Jarrett and Dante Demas. We will catch up with Jacob Copeland a bit later on in the program. Stan, I had myself an evening last night. I uh, my my son, yes. my son, my younger son, my five year old, was feeling a little run down yesterday. Like my wife said, I don't know, I just don't like it. I'm going to take him get COVID tested, make sure everything's good. You know, okay. just, just it's the way it is now. Anytime you ever see anything, it's just. Like, let's just go do it or test at home, whatever. She said he's fine. He just has a little bit of a fever. Nothing crazy, like a like a 100.2, you know? Like, nothing that would make you uber concerned. And he's five, right? Like, I mean, you know. What kid. time of day was this? This was late afternoon. Yeah. Late afternoon. So 102 late afternoon not, is. Not 102, 100.2. Oh, 100.2. 100. Nothing, nothing. nothing. Exactly right. Nothing. nothing that would make you. But he was just feeling a little, you know, kind of tired and. So I got home last night from work, and she said, I think he wants to go to bed early. Would you, would you run him up, let him take him to bed? I said, of course, I'll take him to bed. I said, buddy, you feeling all right? He's like, I don't know, I'm tired. And he was hot. Like, I could, I could yeah. definitely, I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's just lay down, and we'll see how you right. feel in the morning. Right. So the thing about putting a kid to bed early is that he woke up in the middle of the night, right? And I said, all right, all right, buddy. I can't. I had some work to do. I got Loyola, Maryland tomorrow. I'm still prepping all of that. I said, why don't right. you? Why don't you come downstairs? You can lay on the couch next to me mm-hmm. downstairs while I do my work, and you can try to fall back asleep on the couch. So no problem. He comes down for a second, and he falls right back asleep on Great. the couch next Great. to me. All's, all's good. I have That's the end of the story. Exactly right. right. I have White Lotus on in the background, right, because I'm trying to get caught up. And I'm in season two, and I don't. Have you watched the White Lotus? I haven't won. No. Don't. It's not worth it. I don't right. like it. I'm, I'm getting caught up so I can be part I of like the. All, I like Aubrey Plaza. I love Aubrey Aubrey Plaza. I like a lot. I like F. Murray Abraham. I like Michael Imperioli. There's a right. lot of things that I like. 
I think I'm out on Jennifer Coolidge. Like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm done. Yeah, I think sharks I'm, jump for I think me. I'm done with Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm watching, and all of a sudden, I hear, look at his butt. <laughs> and my son <laughs> has sat up, and sure enough, it's in season two, there's a scene where he's being uh, pleasured, and the shot that's is from great. behind, great. right? Great. Now, now, that's funny. I may call child service. It's funny, but within two seconds, it goes from look at his butt to... What's that they're doing? No, no, no. <laughs> Puke. All over my couch. Oh, All geez. over oh, okay. every... So now I'm grabbing him and I'm doing the thing where I'm trying to not get him I'm like running him upstairs as fast as I can to get him into a, a bath oh actually no I didn't go you upstairs had to clean him. You I had went to clean I went to the sink right I went to the kitchen sink and I just po- placed him in the kitchen sink and said if there's any more coming out right here's right the best now. place to be and then I can take your clothes off and I can wash you off do the whole thing in the kitchen sink um so I was up at one last night cleaning up puke, puke. And I had this feeling of, I know I've said recently that I wanted to remember what it was like to be 25 years old. And yeah. I got I got to experience it last how, night. How so did he, uh, was he okay? He's fine. He's, he's, totally, fine. he's totally fine. Great. He's in in fact, that like this morning, my wife at that point decided he's not going to school today, right? right. Like she made the like, executive this, decision last night as I was cleaning up the puke. All right, he's not going to school today. He wakes up this morning. He's, he's fine. He's running. Like he is... He's completely whatever it was, just passed. All good. Probably puked out of it. Yes, system. none of the rest of us feel like we're ever, all, everybody's fine. We all tested. Everybody's good. Like right. there's no. St- we actually I haven't tested for strep as well, just because I don't know. That's a thing that kids get. It's got nothing. He's he's completely fine. But he's sitting at home today with my my mother and driving her crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And like that's the plan for the day. All right. The nice one a.m. Uh, puke cleanup. I got to tell you was was. Just a delightful. That was thing. good. Did you get your work done? Nope, sure didn't. <laughs> sure not prepared for Maryland Loyola. I'm, I have Loyola prepared. I've got more work to do on Maryland. Right. Thankfully, I did them in the fall. So I. Now, I, what are the chances he goes and says something to you? Oh, about your mother in law oh, or your wife? No, no, no. He said it to my wife as soon as she came I downstairs. Saw a butt. Daddy exactly. was watching a butt. The first thing he said to her was actually it was twofold. I saw I saw his butt. He was strong. <laughs> That's great. Said, That's love great you, buddy. Story. Love you, pal. Appreciate you. All right, Super Bowl is on. Brian Sunday. Billick would like that. Story. I guarantee Brian Billick's got some story. Brian Billick's got uh, he uh, daughters, right? Like for him, daughters. And in fact, I was just telling Griffin the last time I spoke to him directly, he was in Minnesota, living yes. somewhere. He bought a house, I think, out in the woods or something. But he said, we're getting ready to move to Columbus, Ohio. And I said, oh, the Ohio State job is open? And right, he said, right. no, grandkids. So I know his one daughter married the John Luer, the basketball player. Okay. I can't remember well, one, where he ended up. One one of them is living in Ohio, okay. or was about 18 okay. months ago. Okay. I'm trying to think of where John... Because John Luer last played with the Pistons, and I only knew that because uh, on, on Brian's Twitter... Whoever, whether it was him or somebody else that was running it, was regularly tweeting out Detroit basketball, which I just, I was like, what's go- what is this, Brian? Like, what's going on there? So I, I just messaged him one day. I said, what is all the Detroit? He's like, you know, my son-in-law plays for the Pistons now, right? I'm like, oh, oh, my, my fault. On me. On me. Big fan. Uh, but yes, his one daughter is married to John Luer, the basketball player, who was successful at 
uh, Wisconsin before how, his when NBA he was career. coaching the Ravens. How old were his daughters? Uh, were they God, a bit so older than Harbaugh's daughters when he took over? When he took over, yeah. yes. Now I'm trying to Har- John Harbaugh's daughter is in college still right. at Notre Dame. Right. So I'm trying to think of how old Aubrey and Keegan would have been. God, this is asking me to go a little ways back yeah. now, Stan. Yeah, I mean they. I have a feeling they were a tiny bit older than yeah, John's they, kids. Yeah, they he... were. A, they definitely were a little bit older. Yes, they were definitely a little bit older because I do know that his older daughter was married by like 2010. So yes, definitely yeah. a little okay. bit older at that point. Uh, Super Bowl on Sunday, obviously, Chiefs and Eagles. We made our picks yesterday at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We'll encourage everybody to go check that out. Um, I will. I present it to you this way because we kind of talked about it last week. I just sort of wasn't, like, amped for the game. Mm-hmm. We're now two days away. Do you have any amount of, like, Super Bowl fever or it's just a football I, game and I, the football I find, game it's on? I find that. The Super Bowl for me is a game I highly anticipate right after the championship, the conference championships, mm-hmm. and then the extra week. And, and I've totally understand that. For 10 years, I used to rail about that, that it should be the next week. I understand why the sport needs to decompress and get everybody there and give time for the markets to play out and all that. Uh, so I'm good with that. But it does still take away a little bit of the anticipation when you have two weeks to wait for a football game rather than one week. I will sit down at, uh, you know, about 6 o'clock and start to really pay attention. The game, I know, kicks off at 6.30, I think, or 6.40. 6.30, yeah. 6.30. I will – I'm I'm excited about the game. I think it's going to – Got a chance and, and, to be a really, really good game. And I've said that a few game. times. I do think it's going to be a good football game, right? Yeah. Like, And I think once the game starts, I'll be back into it. None of the storylines have compelled me at all this week. Even with, you know, like all of the media companies being in Phoenix and the Radio Row stuff, like even with all that going on, like there has just been nothing that has been of personal interest to me whatsoever. Like this has been. I have not paid attention to any of it. Like, I, I kind of blew my wad yesterday on our picks selection. Yeah. With the, the intriguing thing for me is watching how – and you made an excellent point after I made my point that it has to do with quarterback, you know, who who's becoming mm-hmm. or who is your quarterback, mm-hmm. is the difference in how Jeffrey Luria has been willing to move on from a coach – uh, and where John, where uh, Steve Bashotti seems afraid, unwavering, stubborn about perhaps the need to move on from John Harbaugh. Yeah, we, I think it's very interesting. We talked about that yesterday, and the point that I made was that it's sort of timed out both times with the Eagles that you were moving on to from another quarterback, quarterback yep. and it's easier to, to just sort of pair everybody together, right? Like, we're going to bring – and I brought this up, frankly, when – there was talk about the Ravens drafting a quarterback going into the 18 dra- in 2018 draft. I said then, like, this isn't how this works. You don't give the same coach another quarterback. That right. doesn't typically happen in the NFL that a coach gets a second quarterback. When you're making your quarterback change, it's time to change everything. Like, that's normally the way that it works in football. Except in Philly, Doug Peters- Peterson was known as a real good quarterback's coach 
So I don't think it would have been totally out of character Not for a- Jeffrey Lurie to say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna turn the ball over to Jalen Hurts and." And, and, Doug and, Peterson. and trust his ability, yeah. sure. It's just not normally it's the not way that I agree with typically you. in the NFL, you tie coach and quarterback. You say, here's the coach, here's the quarterback. Now, yep. sometimes when you're stuck, right, like Arizona's stuck with Kyler Murray. They're not going to be able to move on. I wouldn't want to be stuck there. I, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I still think that Kyler Murray is a really good quarterback. They just have to figure out how to get it out of him, right? Like, I think the talent is still overwhelming. I just... Whatever it is, his disinterest in in preparation, his obsession with video games, whatever that problem is, is clearly significant, and they're trying to figure out someone who can make it work. But they're going to be stuck. They have to move on from the coach but keep the quarterback. Typically, you try to do both things at once. That's just normally how the NFL works. It worked out with the Ravens, right? Like, they let the same coach have a second quarterback, and obviously there was success that followed. Not insane success, not getting to a Super Bowl. Great regular Bowl, season success, unparalleled correct. regular season. At so far, anyway, I guess there could still be time. But normally that's the way that it works. And it does, like, as much as we're talking about Lamar Jackson's future this offseason, that's all we're going to be talking about. I've said a million times, by the way, Stan, everybody needs to throw their phone away on Sunday. And everybody needs to stop. All you're going to get on Sunday, because they've got six hours of coverage to fill on three different networks NFL Network, ESPN, and Fox are all going to be doing you know absurd amounts of pregame stuff on Sunday. And because the Lamar Jackson story is the single biggest story in the NFL and one of the biggest personnel stories in modern NFL history, because you just don't ever you never see a scenario where a franchise quarterback in the prime of their career potentially becomes available for any team to be able to have him. Um, that you're going to get report at report put it in quotes, after report after report from all of the Jay Glazers and all of the Chris Mortensons and all the Adam Schefters and Ian Rappaports, they're just going to come hot and heavy throughout the day, and none of them are going to have any new information. Right. They're all just going to be the same regurgitated stuff because they have to, because they are told by their bosses, we have to talk about Lamar Jackson. It's a major story, not just in Baltimore, but in Atlanta and with the Jets and, and with Miami. all of these places are interested in that. The Raiders, they're all interested in that story because they're all thinking about maybe having Lamar Jackson as their next quarterback. So it's a huge multi-market story. You have to be all over it. And yet there's nothing new to report. So on Sunday, you're going to see all over your Twitter account, you know, report, sources, blah, 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 related to Lamar Jackson. And none of it is going to be actual news. It's all just going to be regurgitated I spoke to somebody this week, and here's what they think could end up happening. Doesn't Not actual news. It's just going to be six hours of that on Sunday. Do everything in your power to keep your head on a swivel and avoid it as much as you possibly can. But to your point, as much as the Lamar Jackson story is the story, how that ties into John Harbaugh and John Harbaugh's future, if the Ravens genuinely are thinking about moving on from Lamar Jackson, is very interesting because it might be the Ravens' argument of, why they're, they wouldn't draft Lamar Jackson's replacement, but instead say, well, we're going to give you a year, and you're going to get Derek Carr, and you're going to have a chance to figure it out with him, and if it doesn't work out, then the following year, we're moving on from, from the coach, and we're moving on and getting a new quarterback and tying coach and quarterback together. I, I, it sounds crazy, but that's, to me, that's... I definitely think there's a chance of that happening. You know, I just... Uh, I don't see Steve Bashotti moving toward paying Lamar what he thinks. 
I don't think there's any admission on Lamar's part. Now, see, here's again where an agent might say, hey, Lamar, you have had two years in a row where you, you haven't finished the season, you know. Um, and, and I've just, um, you know, I don't think Lamar has the last two seasons, and the injuries are certainly part of it, but I don't think he has been as productive as consistently on the field and showing any signs of improvement. And I think there was a need to improve beyond what are his base skills. And I haven't seen it. It's interesting. You know, in, in moments, he's actually been the best he's ever been, right? Like the first month of this season was the best I mean, that we've that, ever that seen. I mean, that game he had against Miami until they lost the game right. was just a remarkable game. I remember leaving leaving the leaving M&T that day and chanting pay the man pay the, mm-hmm. pay the, the I man. mean the Colts game the year before yeah. was probably the best game he ever played as a passer right like yeah. as a, just a pure passer was probably the guess, best game he ever played I and, and again this all comes back to you're not wrong Lamar's camp is going to turn around and say that's just not relevant like you this goes back to the Ravens wanting to negotiate. Well, it's it's relevant not to not to what we're going to pay Lamar. It's whether you're willing to go to those extremes to have him as your guy. That's to me well, what to, it's to what's them, relevant. It's, it's relevant to what is it that somebody else is willing to offer. Like that that you want to negotiate. Well, you're of the opinion, and most people agree with you that his his value on the on the market is as high as it's ever been astronomical astronomical so like, if it's astronomical and i have certain doubts internally about whether this guy can take the next step um it's ju- just interesting to me i uh, i'm sort of dramaed out over the whole thing yeah i'm i i assure you i'm with you on yeah. that i assure you that i'm with you on i'm already it's a little funky to have this over hanging over your team yes uh and make uncertainty as to who what offensive coordinator really it's also wants the longest the you've ever gone without like hiring an offensive coordinator i mean this is really unheard of for the ravens so we've not only gone to the senior bowl with no offense coordinator right it it makes you assume that they're very much in the eric b enemy market why else would and of course adam Schefter reports this week they indeed are in the Eric Bieniemy market, how can they be in the Bieniemy market? Isn't the job a horizontal move? Yeah, Chiefs, it is. But the Chiefs are going to allow him to make the move because the 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 belief they feel that there's the belief is that he has been prevented from getting a head coaching job because he's in the shadow of Andy, Andy Reid, and he doesn't get enough credit because everybody just says, "Well, it's really Andy, Andy Reid's Reed. offense." Okay, and, and it's so, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and the Eric Chiefs are have, have basically said, "We're going to allow him." to make a lateral move in order to try to help him get a head coaching job in the future because we think he's being hurt for the opportunity to get the head coaching job right now. I had not so read that, so Adam, that's, that's explains it. Yep. Adam Schefter reported this week that both both Washington and Baltimore, he is very much a finalist to be the offensive coordinator there. Eric Bieniemy, there are still you know head coaching jobs that are, have not been filled yet, right. which is also ins- – like this is nuts to me the more I think about the fact that we're about to get to the Super Bowl – and sometimes it's happened where which, uh, which jobs are still Indianapolis open? and Arizona are both still available. Like Arizona did not hire anyone. No. Okay. N- and I know Brian Flores went to be the defensive coordinator in Correct. Minnesota, and he had been. Well, rumored. I guess the belief was that Mike Kafka was the guy that they had kind of settled on, right. who had been offensive coordinator in New York this year. Like that had been the guy that they were zeroing in on in Arizona. But why they wouldn't have gone ahead and hired him, I yeah. 
I don't know. And the constant belief in Indianapolis is that they're just going to hire Jeff Saturday, yeah. day, which is nuts. But yeah. again, has well, he's done so well right. during why, his why wouldn't, stint. Why yeah. wouldn't you want more of that? It's just very weird that we're this deep into the game and there are still two head coaching vacancies and the Ravens still haven't filled their offensive coordinator vacancy, which, again, the only thing I can read into that is that they are very serious about Eric Bieniemy. Whether or not he's going to be the guy, right. they're very serious about not hiring their guy until, until they've got an answer about Eric Bieniemy. Like, it's just a very interesting scenario that has played out. All right. Stan the Fan is here on a Friday edition of the program. Stan, you got to sit down and watch Bullies for Baltimore, uh, Bullies of Baltimore. Watched correct? it in the hospital. That's right. You yeah. were you I were was in uh, the hospital. It's not bad. What it, was it? It was supposed to start at eight thirty. The basketball game bumped it back okay. till, because the and Pro Bowl I, and bumped I'm the like basketball game back. Changing the channels, I'm going. I was told it was eight thirty, yeah. and well, we have uh, the opportunity this morning to catch up with, of course, the former Super Bowl winning head coach of the Baltimore Ravens and was uh, a prime subject of the 30 for 30 Bullies of Baltimore, which aired this past weekend. He is our friend, Coach Brian Billick, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Stan, the fan in Baltimore. Always great to catch up. Thank you for taking some time for us. Yeah, glad to do it. Coach, was there anyone in your life that was like not fully aware of maybe some of your bravado, some of your um, colorful language, that you had to give a warning to before they sat down to watch the 30 for 30 on Sunday night? Uh, may, I don't know. Maybe my grandsons. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be the only uh, – in fact, my one grandson told me, not only there because he's also uh, been with me on the golf course, he says, Pop – and he says it with great admiration. He says, Pop, you just swear so easily. <laughs> Wait, yeah, hang on a second. And it was with true admiration. Wait, are are you like that when you're on the golf course, coach? Oh no, not at all. Uh, no, I can't. You can no. I never hit a bad shot. Never say a bad thing. Brian, what was uh, the experience like? I, I I can only imagine how much it choked you up to be a part of that thing, but to then sit back and watch it. Uh, how what what was the experience like to watch the bullies of ball? It was great fun. You know when when they approached it because the thirties for thirties, you know, sometimes can be a little, yeah, uh, uh, a little rough, you know, in terms of thought, well, I'm wondering what their approach is going to be. But, um, but I loved it because obviously they're all themes and the, the sequence and we're familiar with and have seen it a million times, but they personalized a lot of it. Uh, and you know, with not only the guys on the stage, but the guys during the course of the season, really brought some some personality to that time, which is, you look back, it's 22 years ago. Um, I, it was just thoroughly enjoyable. And then, of course, to see and visit with Goose, you know, uh, notwithstanding the the, yeah. the tragedy of losing him just a couple weeks later was was really special, too. You know, I, to me, he was the star of the film, right, Coach? Like, to me, it, he was just the center of everything about it and his larger-than-life personality. Of course, you know, everybody in this town has a Tony Saragusa story. But it's it's interesting, though, to wonder how that the, the actual final cut that we saw right after, was impacted sure. by his death. Sure, no question. And, and, and Well, they, we shot that we shot that in early no, – I think it was early November, uh, and then I had to come back. Um, I happened to be back because I was doing one of the Ravens games um, and reshoot a, a little bit of the segment to kind of, you know, account for, because obviously between the original shooting that we all did in the actual event, of course, we lost Tony just a couple weeks after that, a month after yep. that. 
so yeah, I, they 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 obviously had to 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 work around it. Coach, I, I just wondered if you what it meant to you because I think you understand what he means to this city. But you know, he's not a Ring of Honor player. He's not a Hall of Famer, and I think it's tough for. My, my producer's 21 years old. Like, he is, he can't possibly fathom why we had such a love for someone who wasn't Ray Lewis or, you know, Jonathan Ogden or Ed Reed or somebody like that. Did it mean something to you to see the world get to see why it is that we have such reverence for Tony Saragusa in this town? Yeah, and, that, and, and that's Tony's story, isn't it? It kind of underappreciated his whole professional life anyway in terms of the way he came into the league and and bounced around and the position he played you know one that kind of does the dirty work but doesn't get the stats and numbers and maybe the notoriety that it should uh but there's no question as you know during the time and the team and the way the organization looks at it uh at the time and now looking at uh, in rearview mirror exactly right tony was kind of well not with all due respect to ray and rod woodson and trent and all the great talent that we had Tony was kind of the heart and soul of that that yeah. that bully, you know, Baltimore bully mentality, which was that was Tony through and through. So, uh, yeah, I think it was great for people to actually see that. I, I think it was beautiful, man. <laughs> How close were you ever to really putting Tony in to run the football? <laughs> oh, he was lobbying all the time. You know, the, the one thing I got Tony on, we used to, if you remember on Fridays, you, we used to have kicking competitions. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd put a board up and you could sign up for cash to kick, you know, a field goal, an extra point from distant distances. The further out, the more cash you got. Of course, the betting between the players was, was rampant on that. <laughs> and uh, and remember, Tony was a field goal kicker uh, in high school. He actually did this. So he signed up and I knew he was pretty good. And what I would normally do is whoever signed up, they kick it. And if they make it, then I'd, I'd say, OK, double or nothing if you back up five yards. You know, or just to get them to, and, and would always get them. Well, Tony gets out and he kicks like a 30 yarder. And, and he says, no, try one of those BS uh, double down bets <laughs> on me. Cause I'm not taking I said, okay, but what if I move it up five yards? <laughs> oh, well, I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> I suckered him right into it. And then he missed it. Of course he did. Nicely done. He never forgave me for that. Nicely done. You know what I just learned? Don't play golf with Brian Billick. Yeah, Don't sure. do it. That's right. 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 At the end of the day, even though I stink, you're going to owe me money. That's the way that it works. Um, it, Brian, I, I asked this question of a couple guys this week. I, I just, was there ever a point during the course of the season where you were worried about all of the bravado or all of it? Was there ever a point during the year where like, man, we, is there a chance that maybe we're going to end up being, you know, we, we saw this with the Bengals a couple weeks ago where they, you know, spent the week talking about Burrowhead Stadium and it got shoved right back at them after the AFC championship game, right? The entire country had some fun with the Cincinnati Bengals. Was there ever a point during the season in 2000 where you were a little bit worried, like maybe we've gone a bit too far? Well, I would have been, except I was knee deep in it. You know, <laughs> I had my share of, right. uh, of one-liners as well. So, and that was just the personality of the team. And it was one that, and, and is bravado and, and it's, fun as it is to particularly to go back with that team very rarely was it was it uh, mean-spirited or was it aimed it was just bravado it was just yeah we're gonna do this you know um and and so from that st- and that's what that team was about and and unleashing that and letting them you know that team knew knew how to, to knew how to work and knew how to play 
And when we worked, we worked. That was the deal I made when I came in. I said, guys, I'll take care of you. The way we practice, I'm going to keep you fresh. But when we work, we got to work. Okay, there's no, there's no room in here for me to do that, and us not. And and they, particularly with with the veterans, whether it be Shannon and and Rob and and uh, Tony and the group, you know, they they bought into that. And so yeah, when we worked, we worked. But when we were off, we were off. Brian, how difficult was that period when you couldn't score touchdowns? And how did you do? You give yourself some credit for the fact that it didn't become us versus them, and there could have been a fracture on the team. Well, the credit goes to the players. It goes to that veteran leaders that I just talked about. The fact that Shannon on the offensive side and Trent to a certain degree, with Ray, with Rod Woodson, they they didn't let that team go there. Because you're exactly right. Conventional thinking. That's exactly what happens in the NFL. Yep. It gets striated like that with one side or the other, and it's hard to hold off. And there's only so much you can do as a coach. But the players held that together. And and I've said many, many times, having gone through that together as a team and coming out the other side, I think that was a major reason why we went on an 11-game winning streak and won a Super Bowl because because they survived it yep. and didn't turn on one another. Then it became a mentality of, hey, you throw it whatever you wanted us because we've been there. And we didn't, we didn't blink then, and we're not going to blink now. So it kind of gave us a strength and a bravado that we had stood at the abyss and stepped back and, and, and survived it. He is the great Brian Billick. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan Charles with us here on a Friday edition of the show. Coach, if I could, but before you came on, Stan and I were talking about sort of the, the strangeness of us reaching the Super Bowl with the Ravens having not hired an offensive coordinator and the belief that that means that – Eric Bieniemy is probably very much in the mix, and Adam Schefter, of course, reported this week that that was the case, that he is very much in the mix, and, of course, he's got a job to do on Sunday. From afar, what what have you made? And you, of course, know Andy very well, right? Like, what have you made of the situation in Kansas City, and do you have a sense of what Eric Bieniemy's value is as a coordinator within the Andy Reid scheme and what you know what it might look like if he were to be the coordinator somewhere else like Baltimore. Well, uh, he's an outstanding coach. Uh, many thought he would have been a head coach by now. I don't know why that has not transpired. He's obviously got the pedigree and what he's done. Uh, Andy thinks the world of him. He's an excellent young man. Young man. I mean, he's older now, but but uh, I think he'd be a, an excellent selection for them because he has the credentials. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's certainly going to bring those bona fides with him. Uh, you know, in, in trying to uh, change up whatever they're going to do. And it does, and I have no idea whether this is the case or not, but it kind of makes sense that if they haven't moved yet on the coordinator, they're waiting for this game to be played. So it kind of kind of adds up, at least conventionally thinking. So uh, And then the connection, obviously, between John and Andy and, and now with Eric, I'm sure that's a, that's a strong, strong uh, recommendation for him to, to take that job as well. I can't imagine that they haven't already secured that and just waiting for the game to end i guess the dumb way of and saying- for eric for eric's a good thing too because yeah. I, I think part of the problem is he needs to get away from andy because andy's going to draw the attention uh in terms of what they're doing offensively and if there's those that kind of say well you know how good is he really because really andy run then then this will allow him to kind of open up and and for people to see, oh, yes, this guy this guy is, is the real deal on his own. The, the dumb guy way of saying that being you don't think that his success is just because 
he's underneath Andy Reid and he has Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Like you, that would be again the idiot's way of saying it is uh, anybody could be the offensive coordinator there and be successful, right? Like you think there's an well, yeah, I mean. More more than with Patrick Mahomes, it has to be that quick. It's like Josh McDaniels, you know. Josh McDaniels, when he's got Tom Brady, is brilliant. Right. Without him, he's been not real good, okay? Um, so, yeah, people can make that observation. I, was that the case with Eric Bieniemy? I, I don't know. I, I think he's an outstanding coach. Certainly having a Patrick Mahomes has been, has been good. I mean, yeah, that, that, you know, this, this guy is just so totally unique and special. But I don't think that diminishes what you have to give Eric and Andy credit for at least, even though a great deal of what makes Patrick Mahomes great happens off script, um, they at least create that platform, much like uh, Lamar Jackson. They create the, the, they'll create a platform that, that embraces that and, and puts structure around it that allows that to happen. Coach, a uh, two-part Trent Dilfer question. Number one, how are you two today? And number two, for what he went through, how do you think that impacts him as a head coach moving forward into his first college job at UAB? Well, I, I'll take take that in reverse. I think he's going to make a great head coach. He's been a very successful high school yep. coach. Trent, Trent's got a great mind for the game. He yep. really does. And I've always said that and always told him he'd make a great coach. Um, and he has, compared to some others, he has now gone back and he's kind of paid his dues. Yep. You know, he's not just been the former pro guy that jumped. Okay, yeah, I'm now a coach. I mean, he coached high school ball and he's done the clinics and the camps, and he's so he's crafted his trade as a coach. So he'll he'll do great job as a head coach there, just like he did in high school. Uh, and Trent and I are great. Trent and I, uh, you know, obviously a difficult transition when we went away from Trent and. And uh, it took a little while, but it wasn't long afterwards that uh, Trent and I reconnected. And I think now that Trent is, is, is a coach and recognizes those things that you have to do sometimes as a coach, as you evaluate what's in the best interest of your team, I think that has heightened his understanding of why we did what we did. And, uh, yeah, Trent and I have been great. Uh, you got a feel for Sunday at all, Coach? You know, I was down there uh, earlier in the week doing Radio Row, and uh, it uh, I do my normal, you know, I did about 50 shows, yeah. and half of them I picked Kansas City, and the other half I picked Philly, <laughs> so on Monday, I'll, on Monday I'll do the half that I picked right, and half the country will think I know what I'm talking about. Um, I think I think the physicality of, of Philadelphia on both the offensive and defensive line is something that Kansas City has not had to deal with yet. Uh, I think their ability to put a four and five man rush on Patrick Mahomes, leaving them, you know, more latitude to do things on the back end to take away the big play, take away Travis Kelsey, their ability to run the ball, uh, and for Jalen Hurst to make those extra third, you know, third down conversions, now keeping the ball away from Kansas City, uh, I think, and and it seemed to be kind of the prevailing mentality down there, but not that anybody knows. Uh, that that Philly and their game matches up well with with Mahomes and what they're doing now. I'm going to do the radio row bit here. Do you want to tell everybody about X Tech Pads, Coach? Sure, been great fun. I've been doing that all week. You know, it's 12 years ago that uh, that uh, Bob Broderick approached me, and when we started up the company, literally out of the back of a van, and and now it's the number one pad in, in all of pro football and of college major college football, and finding its way into the high schools, top high school programs around the country. Because why? Because it's the best. 
best pad in uh, in America right now because when we put it together, it was interesting. It was at that nexus of uh, at the time when it was what take the head out of the game, which naturally meant pads become more important, and the technology that changed. I mean, pads hadn't changed in 50 years until X Tech Pad came along, and with the technologies and the, the database we have now, where you know in the old days big guys had big pads, little guys had little pads. Now it's your height, weight, position, injury history. Um, the position you play, I mean, it all factors into the kind of pad you should be wearing. So very proud of where we are with X-Tech Pad. That's great stuff. At Coach Billick, of course, is how you follow him on Twitter. It was uh, it was wonderful for an entire uh, younger generation to learn the legacy of F the Titans on Sunday night. And, That's right. Uh, it gave, That's right. Put it in context. It, it gave a lot right. of people. It also, show, it also shows you how those sneaky media guys. Yeah, you know, right? You told everybody to turn the cameras I should have been more specific. I should have said <laughs> turn the audio off, too. They caught me. Brian, that, that one cut of you talking down in Tennessee when we beat the Titans, that lives on in my head when you said, you know, yeah, uh, no, that's got the this. best part. And respect yeah. your opponent. It's yeah, by far and right. away the best part of the entire clip. Right. Like as much as we love F the Titans, it's the immediate follow up. But always respect your opponent. Yeah, we did. Well, we, I'm, we I'm talking about and we, I, and we beat the hell out. Yeah, I'm talking about when you said they may be the best team, no, but, but not, today. not today. And that yeah, was no. a classic. That was, that was all Kevin. The fire starter, Kevin Byrne. You yeah. know, we call Kevin the fire starter because he was always anything stupid I said really basically came from Kevin Byrne. He's <laughs> yep. the one that prompted him. All that stuff I said like that, that you can blame Kevin Byrne for all oh, that. Is, is he the pickle champion of the whole state of South Carolina, pickleball champion? He could be. He yeah. could be. Although my wife just had shoulder surgery and the surgeon told me pickleball is the greatest invention in the history of sports. Because he's making a fortune off of it, man. Because well, all these old people true. are getting out there, they're, oh. they're following, and then oh, he says I'm making a fortune. I bet, I bet that's true, no doubt. Coach, always appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time for us as always right. this morning. Sounds good, Coach Brian Billick, with us here on GCR. Uh, great stuff. I'm telling you that I had forgotten. Everybody remembers F the Titans. Everybody yeah. remembers that I had forgotten that that he sandwiched it with. All right, first thing. Respect your opponent. Always respect your opponent. And then came back, back to it. With, I mean, yeah. it was just, yeah. it was so wonderfully performative. Yeah. It was perfection. And was uh, those guys that made the film. Yes. Are they part of NFL yes, films? Yes, they're part of NFL films. Okay. Absolutely. But they, they gave are. them the credit. Because in the old days, it used to be just Sable and NFL films. I don't remember seeing the, the specific filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a partnership that I think NFL yeah. films created with ESPN to do more of these yeah. um, types of projects. It was, it was oh, a it was terrific, so terrific piece. It was piece. so good. All right, um, we will squeeze in a break here. When we come back in, Quint Kesnick from ESPN. We will uh, preview the first full season or first full weekend of lacrosse season. You know, one of those two. It's Supper Bowl. It's the Supper Bowl. That's next. I had a. I don't know if you heard. I had a, a mini stroke. I had. A, I've been, it's been a tough week. It's a mini stroke of the eye. Correct. Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service. A career for life. 
life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license, and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our Winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Stan the Fan in studio with us on a Friday edition of GCR. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So lacrosse season guy has soft launch last weekend, Stan. I guess week zero is what you would call that. This is kind of the official week one of college lacrosse season. Always good to catch up with our friend, a man that you will be seeing. I mean, you see him during college football season, obviously, and, and college basketball. Now you get to see him He's the man on regularly, lacrosse. yes, yep. when uh, you see ESPN broadcasts for college lacrosse. He is Former Johns Hopkins Blue Jay, Quint Kesnick, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Quint, it's Glenn and Stan. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Stan and Glenn, good morning. Great, great to be on. Uh, you know, my February's always used to be kind of an off off month, and now it's uh, loaded with lacrosse we were, top to bottom. It's crazy. I, I was telling Ryan Moran at UMBC, like, he's got this personal crusade. What, what are you guys doing? You guys are insane playing you know, last Saturday it was 20 degrees outside in Baltimore. He's like the one holdout. He's not going to play till next weekend. Like, we are not – this is nuts. Why are we playing so early? 
I, I called up, I have a friend who, who played for Siena back in the late 70s, and they, they started their season on March 31st and played a 12-game schedule in 35 days. Holy. They were done on May 5th. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> in, the, in the 80s, uh, the season started the first Saturday in March. So, so they've really backed it a full month back towards the winter, yeah. which is it's unfortunate for the fans, and it's it's yeah. tough on the student athletes. I think when you think about the, se- the second semester academically. So, you know, having Memorial Day as 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 the the dead end, the stop, the ending, uh, and and the refusal to move that into June uh, is causing all of this. And and I get it; it's a de- desirable weekend, obviously. But to your point, you know, it, it, yeah, like you would really like it. Now, the good news this week is the weather's actually been pretty good. Um, tomorrow is not supposed to be miserable, which is nice because one of the big problems, as you point out, Quinn, is normally we have all these great early season non-conference matchups. Like tomorrow you get Loyola, Maryland, Johns Hopkins, Georgetown, two games that you would want to have great crowds out for. And, you know, when it's 20 degrees, it kind of hurts that. I guess let's start I, – I tell you what, let's start with Hopkins because I, I want to get your thought just on the trajectory since Peter Milliman's arrived, the expectations, the reason – Clearly, why the change was made once upon a time. Um, they looked pretty good last week down at Jacksonville, but obviously this is a different animal taking on Georgetown this weekend and the schedule that's ahead of them. What do you make of where they are and have been moving as a program versus where you know Johns Hopkins lacrosse wants to be? Ooh, uh, it's 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 a long uh, it's a long answer required, but you know we're on we're on tomorrow at uh, one o'clock ESPN Plus. The game will re-air opposite Super Bowl on uh, Sunday on ESPNU. But you know, in my discussions with Peter Milliman, who's now in his third year, I, I sense that he's got the program more of his guys in. Uh, I sense a, a general good vibe. I think they have a strong leadership. I think the players are, are on board now, and I think Coach Milliman has surrounded himself with talented assistants, bringing in John Crawley, who's a former uh, two-time captain of the Blue Jays midfielder, young guy, still plays pro lacrosse. So I think that's a positive. You know, they're coming off the, the worst two seasons, or really the worst three-year span in Hopkins lacrosse history. 1883 they've been playing. Stan was at some of those games in the, you know, way back when. Uh Two and four in 2020, and, and you know, Coach Petromala is, is let go. But it's four and nine, and then seven and nine. So I think the expectations for this year are to get back to the winning side of the ledger, get to better than 500, uh, and, and generate some momentum. Because if they can't do that, then Milliman's, Milliman's uh, status with the program will become more tenuous, and, and they'll have to do great things in 2024 for him to keep the job, quite honestly. But I like what I'm seeing from this group. I think it's a happy bunch. I think they will be improved. The question is how much. And their schedule is just downright brutal. I mean, you go, you go Georgetown, who's a top-five team on Saturday. you got Carolina, who's going to be hungry on Tuesday. Then you got Loyola. You know, they play a bunch of midweeks with Virginia. Their non-conference schedule is ridiculous. Uh, when you throw in the likes of uh, Delaware, who's good, St. Joe's playoff team, Navy on the improve. Plus, then I think the Big Ten is going to be much better this year. I'm going to ask you a question about uh, the predecessor of Millman at uh, Hopkins, Dave Petromala, now an assistant and sort of I think the defensive coordinator for Gary Gates at Syracuse. What what I'm hearing some positives about how much talent Syracuse has. Well, they're young, Stan. They're super young. They play Albany tonight on uh, ACC Network. Extra. I think it's a six o'clock game. I hope to be able to watch that. You know, David's done a nice job. I think uh, looking in the mirror 
and I don't want to say reinventing himself, but you know, 20 years in one stop is, yep. is a long time in any coaching yep. sphere, whether it's college, high school, pro, you name it. And so I think ultimately it's refreshing for him to go somewhere else, be the DC for a couple of years under a guy like Gary Gate, look at some new ideas, reevaluate the way he's coaching, reevaluate his schemes. And then I think he's positioning himself for, for one final run, uh, you know, at another head coaching job uh, here within the next uh, year or two. How how much can he help Gary Gates there? Well, they're a great combination. Yeah. You know, they they were always uh, yin and yang in terms of the best O and the best D on the field, but they're very different personality-wise. Dave burns hot. I mean, Dave is as intense as it gets. He, he's going to always want to do more. Gary is a little, little less uh, intense. Gary's more f- free-flowing, maybe a little more on the creative side. So I think it's a wonderful relationship. You know, I was at a bunch of the practices last year. Petro, for an assistant, was extremely hands-on. Gary's a, a terrific recruiter. He invests in the relationships. Petro handles a lot of the X's and O's defensively and with the clearing and riding. So I, I think it's a good marriage, and I think both benefit from, from being around each other. A name everybody should know, Joey Spolino, who's a freshman at Syracuse, wearing number 22, who is carrying uh, a, a lot of weight. Uh, and a lot of, He took a lot of shots in his debut. Uh, appears to be really talented. Quint Kesnick is with us here on GCR. Um, Quint, speaking of famous, fav- or famous numbers, of course, Brett Makar is wearing number one this season at the University of Maryland. Uh, while you've got Hopkins tomorrow, I'm going to see them over at Loyola. Um, I, I don't know. They lost a lot. They obviously lost a lot of scoring. They lost their short stick defensive midfielders, but they, you know, turn around and pounded Richmond in week one. They still have, you know, great goalie, great faceoff specialist. I, it seems like there's every reason to believe that Maryland's maybe not going to go undefeated, but going to be right in the mix going into Memorial Day weekend. It's, Maryland is much more advanced right now than I thought they'd be. Uh, I, you know, I watched that the Richmond game, the highlights. Keppert scores that goal in transition, their long pole, and Richmond quit. I mean, Richmond took the one punch. It was like watching Mike Tyson uh, just just annihilate people in the first round. That game was over and over fast. I couldn't be more impressed with Logan McNaney, Maryland goalie. Love their defense, and I think their short sticks. They have got enough now. Uh, I, I think that that will not be a, uh, an area of weakness. Super face-offs with Luke Weirman. So you can combine the specialists of face-offs and goaltending, you're, you're solid. I love their midfield. My only long-term question is going to be the attack. And I think you're going to see some younger players eventually uh, play themselves in the starting roles. But I, I was really blown away by how sharp Maryland was passing the ball, how uh, they're shooting. They, it continues to be a shooting clinic. I expected this team to start slow. They didn't. Uh, and, and that was really impressive. Is John Tillman's secret sauce just he gets the best talent or is there something that he does that makes him so special or both? I know. I, I, I think it's across the board when, when you think about, okay, recruit the right talent for your program, but develop motivate. Uh, this is a team now, I don't know. You go back five years, their, their, their consistency of effort stands, stands out. They don't have dud games yeah like how many times can you remember in the last five years that maryland showed up and didn't give at least a b plus effort i mean there are no like c's or c minus efforts and to me that's a a team that's really well led coaching wise strategically but more so from the players i think there's a hunger there i think there's standards that are being hit on a daily basis uh you know john john is living this thing you know he'll text me at 6 a.m or 12 p.m uh he's as uh, all in as any coach I've ever seen in the sport. 
That's a great way of saying it. Yeah. He, I mean, he really – and by the way, you can't have enough Bernhardts on that, uh, that coaching staff at this point. <laughs> um, let me come back to Loyola, obviously. Obviously, Quinn, it seemed like last year they were built, right? And they had veterans on attack. They had veterans at faceoff and goalie and, you know, Ryan McNulty, and it just did not work, like, at all. Whatever they added up, it, it, it didn't get there, and they finished 8-8 eight and eight on the season. They come back, obviously, with still a good bit defensively, but they got to replace a lot of things. This is still a Charlie Toomey team. This is still a team with a very experienced staff, and I just don't know what to make of what to expect from Loyola going into this season. I don't either. And I, you know, I listened to him on your show that roundtable day you do every year, that which is just fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. Thanks, Quinn. But it's Charlie blaming the indoor practice on his goalie's uh, lack lack of vision. That was a classic. I've never heard that before. Uh, he, t- he told Loyola. me, by the way, he found that from Jen Adams. He said that Jen Adams told him there's something about the – and he also said, he said if you're in – she told him if you're inside, you need to use a different color ball. The white ball is a problem inside. He told me we talked about a week later, which is I, – I have no idea what to make of that, <laughs> Quint. Like, I can't, fascinating. Right? But, like, apparently something that Jen Adams really drove into him, like, this is real. It's a problem we're dealing with as well. You know, I, I think the issue you mentioned, it, Glenn, is like, why wasn't, why didn't Loyola take that 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 step forward? There were a goal, they were a couple seconds away from playing in championship weekend the prior year. They brought everything back. You know, for me, you, we see the portal, we see guys taking the fifth year and sometimes the sixth year, and and I don't know, like the statute of limitations at at it seems to run out. Like, I, I just don't know if guys improve that fifth or sixth year. Uh, Denver tried it a couple years back with, with multiple Yale transfers. It didn't work. You, you look at Notre Dame, you know, it hasn't worked big time. Georgetown will try to do it again this year. They, they've got uh, really five impact transfers. So I don't know. I, I know when I was done at Hopkins, I was eager to get the heck out of there. And to think about coming back there to play another year would have been, would have been impossible, mentally draining. So I think it's good to get a change of scenery for those guys who, who are able to go to grad school. But uh it's hard to explain why Loyola didn't play well last year. I, I expect them to bounce back. I, I, I like their defense. I think their goaltending is in a good spot. They're well coached, uh, and it's a fascinating league, as you know. The Patriot League uh, is going to be good this year. BU is still BU. Navy's on the rise. Uh, Lehigh and Army are always tough, and even teams like Lafayette and Bucknell seem to be getting better. So uh, that, that league is wide open and should, should be really fun to watch. I, I did want to get a thought from you on Navy because, was, to your point, I mean, they came into the season ranked and a lot of expectations and a lot of attention because of the Xavier Arline story, and we don't regularly see someone spending, you know, playing lacrosse as well as being at spring practice for being the starting quarterback for a D1 football team at the same time. Um, do you feel like they're primed to make a jump this season? I do. It's hard to tell right now. Their schedule is, is woefully soft. So, you know, beating up on teams like, uh, you know, Queens, Queens right. and whoever they played to play this Mount weekend, it's not really telling the full story. But I do think, you know, Navy historically, they've always had athletes. They've always had toughness. They've always had grit. Uh, they'll, they'll fight you. They got guys who can put the ball in the net. And that's always been a differential. When Navy has really talented, skillful scorers, they can find that they can muck it up with anybody the, the other spots. So to have a Patrick Skalniak, a Dane Swanson, a Max Hewitt, a, a Xavier Arline, a Toker from the wing is a good shooter. That's a little different for Navy. And they're, they're, he's, he's, Joe Ampo is doing an amazing job bringing in recruits, but guys who can put the ball in the net. And, and, you know, I think that bodes well for Navy. 
their schedule ramps up considerably, uh, you know, uh, after the next week or so. So we get to see them against Hopkins. We get to see them in the Patriot League. Quick question about Towson. What is Sean Nadlin's uh, club going to be like this year? I don't know much about Towson. You know, they, they, they uh, Stan, I, I haven't covered a Towson game, I don't know, in, in two years okay. since they, you know, kind of hit, hit, that, hit that high spot. Uh, I, you know, I follow them on social media. I get out to practice, you know, usually once a year, but I haven't been out there yet. Uh, so I, I don't know what the expectations are. For the Tigers. The, the frustrating part with that league is they made the jump away from ESPN and then kind of nobody gets to see them unless they go to the games anymore, which is a very frustrating thing. That uh, I'll save a commentary about that for another day. Quint, we'll leave you with this one. Give me a player um, throughout the country That's great. Yeah. that you would say, look, f- figure out a way, whether it's on TV, when they come to play a team locally, figure out a way to go see this guy play this season because you're going to be watching something truly special. There's a lot. It's a really good year because, you know, you've got guys coming back now. And I think overall this season is different from an A I've covered because I think there's 10 teams that can win a national championship. I mean, when I started doing this, I thought there was like three every year was Syracuse, Virginia, and Princeton, maybe some Hopkins. And like repeat, r- r- rinse and repeat the next year. Player-wise, you know, Connor Schellenberger of Virginia, Sam Hanley of Penn is kind of a – I think he's a fun watch because he's gigantic. He's six foot five, 225 pounds. And he moves really well. He's, he's, he's got great hips and, and change of direction. And he runs through people. He just dominates. He's like a lumberjack. He's like Thor. Uh, and so Sam Hanley for Penn, he's not on TV very much. Uh, later in the year, you'll get to see him. Ivy League championships and hopefully the playoffs. But but he's a guy I watch. And I'm like, holy yeah. mackerel, look yeah, at that. You know? uh, he, he's just eye-catching. Is, is real quick, can I get one more in? Yeah, one? absolutely. Real quick. Yeah. If you're cho- picking right now, is Maryland head and shoulders above everybody or just at the top and everybody's got to try and take a shot at them? Yeah, I think Maryland has come back. This is my guess, and we don't know. What yep. they showed against Richmond was complete domination. But I think they've come closer back now to the pack. They, they raised the standard. Lars Tiffany from Virginia even said it, like uh, – They've changed the way they operate. Virginia operates because of Maryland's excellence last mm-hmm. year. There's Maryland. There's Virginia. I think Georgetown's really good. The Ivy League's never been better, Stan. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even mentioning teams like Notre Dame, Duke, and Ohio State. Ohio State's much better this year. Notre Dame was playing great last year before the playoffs. So right now Maryland's got to be one, two, three in that range. I think Virginia's got to be somewhere in that range. Yep. After that, honestly, three through nine – you, you throw them in a jumble, and, and we're trying to figure that out. And that's what February is is about, looking under the hood and seeing the component parts. Teams may not play great initially, but you get a sense for their talent level and their growth that, that, that can that can occur. And for, for all the teams, it's really a race to improve, Stan. I compare it to horse racing. Like, you, you go out and you watch some of these derby preps, and you say, oh, there's a derby winner. But it's all about who can develop or who can keep improving. I think you remember, Stan, you and I both attempted to call a horse race at uh, Pimlico yes, a few years did. ago. Quint, yes, I did. was the only one of us that was actually any good actually at it. Actually, like, did well. Quint could have had a future in calling a horse Quint, race. Quint, I, I want to say something to you. I've known you a long time. You are fantastic on lacrosse, but you don't miss a beat on anything you do, and that's a rarity that somebody gets that good at, at all the other stuff. Uh, you, you're well, having a yeah, really thanks, marvelous career, seriously. The, the the race call you guys remember 
that was so much harder than I ever imagined. I have so much respect for those guys. I had no that idea. That is unbelievable that they do that 10 times a day uh, smoothly. It, it is ridiculously difficult. A nightmare. A nightmare. I've done, Quinn, I've done every sport there is to do, right? Like, I've done track and field. I've done, I've done all of it. I, it was a nightmare attempting to call a horse race. I've, I vowed so, I wouldn't call them by their numbers, but at a certain point what, down the stretch, it what was else just, are you gonna do? there's number two, right. there's number eight. I don't know how you remember 10, 12 horses. It's unbelievable, yeah. man. Uh, as he mentioned, tomorrow, uh, live on ESPN Plus for Hopkins and Georgetown. And then if you just really hate football, um, you can watch it Sunday night on ESPNU instead of watching Yeah, we'll get a good Super rating. Yeah. We'll get a good it'll, rating it'll, after it'll, the Super Bowl. It'll go, it'll go well. At QKesnick on Twitter. Is there anything else we can plug for you, my friends? No, nah, that's that's great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the coverage. Again, Glenn, I love that uh, the roundtable you did with the local coaches. I, I appreciate it. That. It's kind great. of you. Thank you, Quint. Great to chat with you as always, my friends. Quint Kesnick from ESPN with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that as this is the first kind of full weekend of college lacrosse season. Um, Stan, I talked about this earlier in the week, but I appreciate uh, Dave said you should ask Stan about it, and I will. What, what do you think it matters, big picture, that the lawsuit was dismissed earlier in the week? Do you, how much do you think it changes anything for the Orioles? You know, I've heard a couple different sides to this so far. I've heard some people say, hey, it, it settles something for a sale of the team. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to believe that John really wants to be in this position for the long haul. It's so and, funny you say that. And, Jeff, Jeff Barker and I were having this conversation yeah. the other day. And I think he really wants to position himself if it includes selling part of the team, you know, to get the capital that they'll need to, to do taxes and whatever on the state side of things. Um I just, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I know John took has taken a lot of heat for his unavailability with the media and Dan Connolly blasting him for the incident that they had together. But I find nothing, nothing negative to say about John Angelos' tenure owning the Baltimore Orioles. You know, I, I read Rosenthal's piece last night. I read Dan's piece about all this angst that they didn't sign the lease mm-hmm. and he won't talk in public and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, that, I've, I've talked to John about that. I've told him for four or five years he needs a Larry Lucchino to be sure. available to the media all the time. They've chosen not to go that route, uh, but to just, like, like there's, there's so much consternation about the fact they didn't sign a lease or something. I don't find any I don't find people talking about that in the street. I, I do. Okay. I, I, for what it's worth, I do. And it's it's twofold, right? Like I, I don't make a big deal out of it because it's the it's the unspoken part of it that everybody's freaking out about, which is, well that means they're gonna move. Well anybody with a brain knows that's not the case, right? Like and you and I have been through this so many times and I keep having to rehash it over and over and over again, which is the Guys, stop. They're, John Angelos is not being given the Nashville market, right? Like, stop. You, you're freaking out about something that's not real. But I do understand that when that thing, when people have perpetuated, whether it was Lewis and the lawsuit, whether it was, you know, stories that had been written in the past, when it's out there, there's going to be a group of people that is always going to say, well, until you prove it to me via a lease that stuff is still going to linger with me and trying to be reasonable and just say, 
there's no way that baseball is going to allow a team that was just given $600 million of public money to move to another city when they've got horrible situations currently in two other markets. And they're also trying – they're talking about expansion on top of it. Like, you guys are just not being reasonable when you have this conversation. I think it's real. I just don't – I think we all want this, like, it's the, you remember the film Tommy Boy, right, with Chris Mm -hmm. Farley? It's the guarantee fairy. Everybody wants to have the pixie dust sprinkled on them by the guarantee fairy that everything's going to be great, and sometimes it requires you putting your thinking cap on a little bit and trying to figure out, like, hey, there is reason why John Angelos, particularly to your point, Stan, if he wants to continue being the owner of the team. And Jeff Barker and I had this conversation the other day, and, you know, Jeff's been covering all this stuff recently. Um, And I agree with you. Like, the lengths that he's going to get the things that he wants in this new lease, yes, it's possible that you could be doing that just to put your franchise in the best possible position for a sale, to try to get every penny out of the value of your franchise. It's possible. But his interest in it, instead of maybe allowing the next owner to be the one that negotiates that reaps all the the good work that he's done because that 600 million is going to be there yep. no matter what so it's if the plan is definitely no matter come hell or high water we're selling wouldn't you prefer if you're the next owner to be the guy making the calls to be the guy that's in the negotiations with Westmore and his team about how that 600 million dollars is going to be spent yeah i i think there's the potential that John Angelos isn't just looking. And I'd say not a potential. I'd say there's a probability that John's goals are way beyond $600 million. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But to really get Baltimore back on an upswing where people are comfortable coming to something downtown, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a much larger question than the $600 million over by the way, is not one lump. It's got to be spent over over a number of years. Uh, I think he's got much higher aspirations at using the Orioles as kind of a touchstone to help rebuild the city and making people feel more comfortable coming downtown. John is a very very bright guy. For all the all the people knocking him, okay, he's exceedingly bright, and uh, I have a lot of faith in John Angelos despite what Dan Connolly might write about him, or Ken Rosenthal, who's no longer really that close to the Baltimore situation and and has a lot of leftover angst about Peter, you know. Sure. uh, And and look, there are a lot of people that – this has been brought up to me by a lot of people, Stan, that for as much as you can say you can't blame the son for the sins of the father, when I hear the name Angelos, I'm going to feel a certain way. And I – I have to understand that, right? Like, I, I have no choice but to understand that thought process. There's there's an old uh, expression I learned, and it was ironically when Richard Nixon became president. He urged people, and again, he turned out to be one of the most duplicitous people mm-hmm. on the planet, but he said, don't listen to what we say. Watch what we do. So I don't sit there and, you know, parry every, every syllable coming out of John Angelo's. I look at what he's done on the baseball side, and I say, this guy's he, he's been able to do Trump his father in this regard 
where he hired a great baseball person and got the hell out of the right, way. Gave him the control. They and, re- yeah. Let them make the baseball decisions. Yeah. There and, is- and so I applaud him tremendously for that. He's a bit clumsy on the media side because he could have the likes of Dan Connolly and Dubroff and Rock and myself and Molesky and all. He could have us eating out of the palm of his hand mm-hmm. rather than have this antipathy building up. Uh, and I think one day he'll come around to that. Quickly, speaking of the Orioles, there's less than a week still remaining for you to go get this print issue of Press Box, which is available right now with Adley Rutschman on the cover. It is our best of 2022 issue. Go get it right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Do you want to announce who's on the cover of the next uh, print issue Yeah, of I have Box? no problem with it. We uh, had our editorial meeting and you know went back and forth on a couple ideas and ended up with Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson the will be on the cover of the next print issue of Press Box, which will be the one that will be on stands come opening day. So it'll be on newsstands through spring training and will be on newsstands when we hit opening day. Yeah, comes with, out next week. Yes, yeah. available next week. I, I'll go back to that thought because this does go back to the eternal thing that you and I talk about, right, which is so far so good, but there's the – the next step of it, right? And yep. and I do feel like that's the part. It's the same thing I say about Mike Elias. Like somebody would say, hey, what do you think the job Mike Elias has done? I'd say, I think he's done a pretty good job. But I don't have blanket trust yet in Mike Elias because, you know, he still hasn't won anything. Like, I still don't know about Mike Elias or Brandon Hyde or insert name here, their ability to go really win, right? We're measuring them by low standards, and they've surpassed those low standards. And we have every reason to believe that the Orioles are in a healthy position moving forward and not all of this you can even i don't know if mike elias is allowed to make bolder moves or anything i don't think he you know i think it's i think it's a careful timing thing right remember this is an organization that couldn't wait to get out of the chris davis market you know uh and they worked out a deal to get him gone and pay him off over a number of years which is going to pay off for the orioles when they need to start paying some people but that is the key question. But I don't think it can be underestimated, Glenn, to say that there's a certain time that the owner can do what the owner can afford to do, mm-hmm. truly, mm-hmm. and that the fans have to step up. And $1.3 million last year, and I understand we're coming off the pandemic, we're coming off a, a terrible rebuild, you know, in terms of and, what and, the product and, and was like. And inflation matters as and well. Inflation like the the matters, economy yep. is not great yeah. at the moment. But now's the time... We need to we need to be like one eight this year, you know. There's no reason the ball club shouldn't, and it's important that they get off to a good start, you know, that they don't go three and sixteen. Oh, by the way, I didn't get an answer to this question. Can you tell? Me? I went the other day. Yeah, and I was I, I got an email that said, "Hey, single game tickets are now right. available," and I was just perusing. Right, and opening day tickets are still available. Were available. Yeah, and I just don't. I could have sworn that in the past they waited to a little bit closer to opening day, holding out to try to get more people to buy packages right. and not putting opening day specific tickets on sale right. until, you know, a week or two before opening day. The fact I that think that's the case. You're right. There were, I mean, this was not like I got a, a mistake was made. Yeah. They, they said, hey, right now there are tickets available for opening day. I went ahead and just bought two, you know, mm-hmm. that day I might decide to just give them to somebody. I don't know what will happen that day. I, Can I have them? 
Um, no. Uh, <laughs> you can go if you want my other ticket. You can go, you and I can go together. I tell right. you what, that'll be a problem. Right. I I last year Colson the morning of opening day was like, hey, are you going? And I was like, eh, because there just wasn't a lot of excitement right. last year. Right. And I said, eh, I didn't, I didn't bother this year. And he said, right. well, you know, why don't you come? Right? right? Like, why don't you come sit with me? And he said, I actually have an extra. And so I called my father. My father said to me, you know, we've never gone to opening day together before. Jeez, it was. That's wild. So you went. I'm, I'm damn near 40 years old. Yeah. I had never gone to opening day with my father before last year. Yeah. I have no idea. And then we sat there. I'm like, why? How the hell did that happen? He was like, well, remember, once upon a time. You know, we like was, each other. Yeah, correct. Much. Well, he said, he's like, dude, when I, I went to He had to, to clean day, up the puke. It's really, that's correct. He had to clean up my puke. But he said, when I was young, I went to opening day all the time. Yeah. And then it was hard to get tickets yeah. for, for a number of years. But I, I thought. Like may, and maybe I'm crazy. I put something out on Twitter and I couldn't get a direct response. This is as early as I remember you just being allowed to buy opening day tickets. And the reason why that's relevant to me is speaking to what you're speaking to and what you and I talked about the last time that you mentioned this. You need some momentum at the beginning of the year. And I'm wondering if they are more hell-bent on we don't, we don't want to see empty seats on opening day. We just, let's go ahead and let people buy their tickets now. And I think, look, there's going to always be some people that love the the comfortableness to have every game. Mm-hmm. But today's consumer no, that's going to the games, they're they're like, oh, the O's are coming in t- tomorrow. Right. Hey, they're playing pretty good. They buy then. Uh, it's very very different. Or, or I wonder if it's because they're playing the Yankees on opening day that they they don't want. You know, like the week beforehand, a bunch of Yankees fans buying up tickets that I, you know, I, it, I, it was just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have these are all just yeah. things I'm spitballing about because I had never seen that before that when they put single game tickets on sale, that included opening day that you could just buy tickets to if you'd like. And Maybe next Friday we could get either Jennifer Grandal, sure. TJ or sure, Greg fine. Bader or something. To talk, talk about I'm that. fine with that. I have I would love to. We'll, we'll reach out to them this week, Griffin, yep. if you don't mind. All right, Stan the Fan is here on a Friday edition of the program. Um, you caught up with Jim Ferry last night. Caught up with Jim Ferry. Gary Stein and I chatted with him for close to a half an hour last night. Uh, next week, don't have a guest on Monday's show. Uh, Thursday, we have Jackie McWilliams, the commissioner of the CIAA, and Visit Baltimore's chairman uh, Al Hutchinson will join us. Uh, the following Thursday, we've got the on the 23rd, we've got the new head coach of uh, UMBC soccer, Anthony Adams. Mm-hmm. And then on March the 2nd, we're going to have Pete Shinnick on, who is the new, new head coach, coach. Uh, Towson football head coach. You know, I did not. There's something that I learned this week that I did not realize at all. Drew, in fact, informed me of this. Do you know there's a significant record that Don Shinnick holds in NFL history? Would not know it offhand. Most ever interceptions by a linebacker. Wow. I had no did, idea. Did not, 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 I had no clue. I mean, clue. He, immediately when you said that, it came back right. to my mind's eye that there were a lot of times at Memorial Stadium he did pick Most pick ball interceptions Interesting. all time by a linebacker for Don Shinnick, which yeah. is wild to me. I'm anxious to talk to Pete. Uh, he I seems like, like a good yeah. guy. And we did, yep. you had him on your show and I was with him. Yep. But yeah. Look forward to that. All right, we come back By in. By the way, did you know that there's a new creature that has been discovered? Uh, do I want to know? I'm not sure that I'm going to want to have to deal with look this. At, look at this thing. What? Can you see it? Yeah, I can. Well, wait, wait, I got it scrolled to the picture. Got to pull it down. Because you're not going to show me a butt like I showed my son. That's a new. What the hell is that? 
It is, they look a lot like a jellyfish. They're called a sea salt. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna... Becoming a delicacy. Stop. In fact, I want to bet you Stop. No. on the Orioles no. win title, you have to no. eat a sea salt. You want to you get in on our side a bet that we're salt. doing? You wanna, hey, Stan, you want to get on our side bet that, that we're that? doing this week? Yeah, our that? side bet. Have you seen the Tom Brady picture? The the Tom Brady is 80 or no, 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 no. That's the film. I'm saying that Tom Brady posted a thirst trap on Twitter this week of him in his underpants. Not interesting. No, you're not Not interested in our, well, our side bet for picks this week was that the losers got to take their own Tom Brady underwear picture and post. I've already done that for the year. Boys are handing a hundred percent. Yeah. That's the Tom Brady picture right there that he just decided to share with the world. He's retired. And so now this is how he's spending his time is posting, underwear pictures on twitter because i mean look man if if i'm 45 and i look like tom brady you know what i'll probably post a few underwear pictures on twitter myself i might be posting one next week we'll see how this goes um when we come back in i want to talk about uh, last night the nfl honors they announced the pro football hall of fame class for this year we'll discuss that next still to come this hour uh jacob copeland former university of maryland wide receiver is going to check in with us as he gets ready for the nfl draft that's on the way it is a friday edition of glenn clark radio Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual best of issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license, and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. 
If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. You know, we were talking to Clint Kastanek a couple minutes ago. Stan, did you know that you could bet on college lacrosse this season? Uh, did not know I that. did not know oh, that no. either. Place your bet on college lacrosse. Bet $5 and get $200 in instant bonus bets when you go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now and sign up with DraftKings. This is your chance to have fun and make a few bucks betting on your favorite college lacrosse teams. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers. Click on the DraftKings link to get your $200 in lacrosse bonus bets. You're going to take yeah, advantage yeah. of so that. You're yeah. saying Towson Unders is what you're I, Well, I don't. I mean, it's not. I got to see what the numbers yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. I got to see all that. But yeah, they, I would be inclined. I would probably be pretty inclined. All right, Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us on a Friday edition of GCR. Before Jacob Copeland joins the show, Stan, um, the new Pro Football Hall of Fame class was uh, announced last night at NFL Honors. Patrick Mahomes, nobody's surprised, named NFL MVP. Congratulations to Calais Campbell, who was named the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award winner. Uh, I think he's won every significant, like... He's terrific. Yeah, he's wonderful. It, yeah. Nothing to not like about Calais Campbell. I think Calais he'll be Campbell. back. I think he wants to be back. I think he's going to. I genuinely think he is hoping to be back. Um, this is the class. There were a couple of like veterans committee guys that were elected, like Don Coriel. Air Coriel is going to go into the Hall of Fame this year. Chuck Halley, who ironically was the MVP of the Baltimore Colts' only Super Bowl win, despite the fact that he didn't play for the Baltimore Colts, the only losing player to ever be named Super Bowl MVP. Joe Klecko, the uh, former Jets defensive Jet, tackle, yep. gets in. And Ken Riley, the former Bengals cornerback, gets in as well. The modern Hall of Famer is inducted. Rondé Barber, of course, the legendary cornerback from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as well as Darrell Rivas, who obviously was yeah, in his he prime. Was the best, uh, you he know, was the best. Rivas yeah. Island. I mean, just nothing you could do. Joe Thomas, longtime Browns offensive tackle. We talked about Joe Thomas last week. I never thought about Joe Thomas as a rival because the Browns were always so bad. But, Jesus, man, that guy was just a monster, an yeah. absolute monster. Yeah. Terrific player. Zach Thomas, the former Dolphins linebacker behind Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher, probably the, you know, the next best inside linebacker of an era. I didn't think he needed to be a slam dunk necessarily, mm -hmm. but worthy of the Hall well, of Fame. Well, he's had to wait a while, hasn't he? A couple yeah. years, yeah. yeah. And uh, Demarcus Ware joins them as the other, the former Cowboys edge rusher. Uh, by the way, Zach Thomas, I didn't really, it was 08 that he retired, so he's had to wait damn near 10 years yeah. in order yeah. to get into the Hall of Fame. Demarcus Ware joins that group as the uh, final of the modern era Hall of Famers. What's fascinating to me about this is the continued difficulty for wide receivers to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Who are some of the, do you the, have names? This year's group, in the, the finalists right. included, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, and Torrey Holt. Three of them, uh, just among the finalists. That's not even including the guys that didn't right. crack the finalists. Right. Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, to name a few. Right. The difficulty of wide receivers getting into the Hall of Fame is fascinating to me. Why it is that voters seem to, I, I don't not want to credit. It, it, with Torrey Holt, it seems like, a, well, yeah, he was insanely, he's one of the most productive wide receivers of all time. Yeah. The thought is, well, it's only because he played, you know, with Kurt Warner right. and in the greatest show on turf and 
we're dismissive of it with Reggie Wayne. Yeah, but Peyton Manning was his quarterback and also played indoors. Like yeah, I, his numbers are insane, Reggie they're, Wayne. They're bonkers. These are some of the most productive players in the history of football, and yet they can't break through and get into the Hall of Fame. And Don Coryell went in in the the way that it would take Art Modell to Yes, go he's in. like a contributor. Oh, exactly he was right. much more significant than Art Modell, Don Coryell. Oh, man. Don't get me yeah. wrong. He I've, won the he, Super Bowl. Yeah, in, I, uh, I know. I, I, and then there was the, the other time that he won. Uh, I you know. know. I, I will say that he definitely revolutionized offense. No I question understand, about it. No question I about understand it. the interest in Don Coryell. To your point, no. Yeah. There is no world in which he is a more significant right. figure to the history of professional right. football than Art Modell is, and I we're going to yeah. do this for, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it just appears as though there's never going to come a day, and that's wretched. It's it's awful. Um, are you surprised by how difficult it is for wide receivers to get into the Hall of Fame? It's not something I readily think about. You know, I don't wake up uh, thinking sure. about that uh, difficulty, but it it's is. All I it is it's all when, no. when my son woke up last night and brought up the butt, I said, son. I'm in the middle of thinking. All about I can think it. about is how Tory Holt can't get into the Hall of Fame. You can't bother me with your throw up. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, other bits of life yeah, intrude right. on my on me. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you when you state it like that, yeah, it's pretty surprising that uh, we can't get uh, a wide re- no wide receivers this year. Uh, Reggie Wayne and Andre Johnson have the tenth and eleventh most receiving receiving yards of, of all time. All time. Steve Smith yeah. has the eighth, and again, right. can't even get into the group of finalists. Yeah. Right now for the Hall of Fame. I mean, to fame. me, Steve Smith is a Hall of Fame football player. But if you look at his numbers, Steve Smith's numbers aren't actually even better than Anquan Bolden's right. are, right? Yeah. Like, But Steve Smith, you know, if you want to try to have this conversation, didn't play indoors and didn't and, have... And I take it Derek Mason is not a Hall you know, of Derek fame. Mason's never even been in the, the semifinalists. I mean, he's right? one of the greatest receivers the, I've seen. Uh, I, I had no idea. In the idea. 30, he 40 was, years. Uh, in, the, in the 2000s, that decade from right. 2000, was one of the top four most productive wide receivers of the decade. And, of course, you know, we all watched Derek Mason up close and personal, but never would have done the math that he was that guy. Like, never would have done that math. So I, I don't – I it, I would say – it's wrong for me to say it's infuriating to me because, to your point, I don't actually care. Like, I'm right. not losing sleep over it. Yeah, and but it's an, it's an interesting topic. It would be a great topic for, like, a Randy Mueller, you know, to it's, talk it's, about. It's you know. bizarre to me. And I, I don't think that any of these guys that got in aren't deserving necessarily. Right. Like, of course, Dar- Darrell Rivas is a Hall of Famer. Of course, Joe Thomas is a Hall of Famer, right? Uh, you know, I have no problem with any of these guys that are getting in. But why is it so difficult for wide receivers? And the more they stay logjammed, the more difficult it is to ever imagine a Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden right. being considered, because if the guys, ne- the next generation will be pushing the exactly envelope right and, and appear that they deserve. Yeah, Larry it Fitzgerald more. is right. about to be on the precipice right. of being up for you know, like th- there are going to be a group of guys going to be coming in the next few years that are going to make it all the more difficult for and anybody. all those Raven receivers, right? Of course, all of pushing, the great yeah. wide receivers and Ravens hit. Well, Anquan Bolden, I guess, and and Derek Mason, to your point, yeah. um, or be that 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 group of guys. I again, I'm not trying to to freak out about it yeah. or something like that, but it is just really weird. For what it's worth, next year, the and it's interesting because aren't wide receivers just now starting to get the dollars? The, uh, the the last, yeah, but, but you know what is interesting too. It's so funny because I brought up the Dominique Foxworth. That so Dominic Fox was of course former NFLPA president. Right. 
I said, look, I can understand some of the... One of my problems with the Lamar Jackson thing is fighting over the words fully guaranteed. Because as I pointed out, every quarterback's contract that's ever been given out, they've gotten every penny of it. There is, to this point, no quarterback. We'll see if Russell Wilson ends up being the guy that changes that, right? Because it was so bad this year. But to this point, all of the mega contracts that have been given out, every quarterback has gotten every penny of it. So to risk losing your quarterback over the words fully guaranteed is weird to me when Mm -hmm. you're going to end up giving the guy all of the money anyway. Like, he's going to get all of his money. I said, I do understand, though, that maybe the fight isn't about the quarterbacks. It's a, it's about not wanting other guys to start saying, well, we want fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed too. Right. And Dom kind of laughed at me and said, Glenn, no, they don't value other guys. That's abundantly clear. Right. What did Green Bay do with their the best wide receiver in football? Just let them. What did Kansas City do with the best wide receiver? What did on. Minnesota do when they had Stephon? They, like, right. The, DeAndre Hopkins, every single one of these best wide yeah. receivers in football, the teams have said, eh. They view them as meat to be churned through the, uh, you know. And it's the, to the, mixed results, yeah. right? Like Kansas City moved on from Tyreek Hill and it's Back a, in the Super a Bowl. win away from the Super right. Bowl. Green Bay moved on from Devontae Adams, and it was a disaster for them. Yeah. Minnesota moved on from Stephon Diggs but found Justin Jefferson. You know, it's the greatest replacement in the history of football, perhaps. Houston moved on from DeAndre Hopkins and is maybe the worst franchise in the NFL. It's mixed results for the teams that have done it, but his point was well taken, which is there is nothing that suggests that there's going to be a slippery slope from quarterback to wide receiver, which is arguably the second most important position on the field at this point, because the teams have shown very clearly they just don't value the wide receivers the way you think they should, despite the fact that, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have done a pretty good job as they prioritize wide receiver in this process. The first-year eligibles for next year for the Mm -hmm. Pro Football Hall of Fame include... Haloti Nada, who I love, but I don't think is going to crack through. I don't right, think go that's ahead. going to happen. Um, the list is headlined by Antonio Gates, who, to me, I mean, I mean, come on, like Antonio Gates, a Hall of Famer. Julius Peppers is a headliner from the group, and then it really kind of falls off from there. There's not really another Hall of Famer that you. Brandon Marshall's a, was a very productive player, but not a Hall of Famer. Sebastian Janikowski is on the list. Kicked for a very long time, not yeah, a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. Eric Berry, you know, Jamal Charles, Doug Baldwin, Jordy Nelson, productive players. And then the only kind of fascinating name that's on the list besides the Peppers and Gates to me are Hall of Famers. Right. I don't know if they'll both get in next year, but they're both Hall of Famers. There's not another Hall of Famer on the list. The one name that will at least be batted around a little bit is Andrew Luck is eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame next year. And in a short time was – yeah, One of the ter- most. He was terrific. He was a terrific player. I don't think he gets I don't, in. I don't think he does either. Yeah. But it would be interesting for me it's to measure his career against, say, Kurt Warner's right. as a starter. Now, Kurt Warner has the boost of having right. won, a won a Super Bowl, Bowl and Bowl. Get, getting back to another one um, with the yeah. Cardinals, whereas Andrew Luck never won a Super Bowl. But it would be interesting just from a sheer productive, you know, considering Kurt Warner was not a 12-year starter in the NFL, like had a shorter-turn run, how those two line up against each other. Yeah. But that's the group. For you think the fact that that group that's up next year is not all that impressive helps Nada? I think uh, it does. I, I think there's a chance that at some point Haloti Nada could be one of the final 15, could at least – come into but the you debate don't think room. next year he gets no, no. okay no, 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 no. and it's still as a point i mean we're still talking andre johnson's still on the table and 
you know, my God, Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne are still on the table. Next year would be a really good year with this group to put a bunch of wide receivers in and clean that up a little bit for the years that follow. Who can they put in ahead of Art Modell next year? Oh, they'll come up with somebody, Stan, I promise you. Maybe it would be Dan Snyder that ends up getting in ahead. And and well-deserved. Yeah, correct. Speaking of a wide receiver who hopes to uh, one day be hearing his name in conversation for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we got to watch this guy play this season at the University of Maryland, and then he went and had a heck of a week out at the East-West Shrine Bowl. He's getting ready for the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis and preparing to hear his name called in the NFL draft. He is former Terp Jacob Copeland, and he is with us now here on GCR. Jacob, it's Glenn and Stan Charles in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Most definitely, most definitely. Hey, man, I- I'm wondering if there was anybody in your life that like when you said, hey, guys, I made my decision. I'm going to go up and play at the University of Maryland. That you had anybody in your life that looked at you like, what? <laughs> you're, 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 yeah, you're, I'm, you're, I'm more definitely did, though, because it's like growing up in the South, not many people was like up north fan. Right. And just, and just saying that I was going to Maryland, like a lot of people did look at me crazy, but I, like, I felt like it was the best option for me. So, uh it really didn't matter what they thought or how they looked at it. At the end of the day, I'm the one who had to deal with that decision, live with that decision. So, you know how that goes. I, I understand that. But being obviously from Florida and being at the University of Florida, wh- why was it? I, you and I never had an opportunity to, to chat about that. Like, why was it to you that you said, I'm buying in? I think that there's an opportunity for me to go do something at the University of Maryland that's going to help me along on this path. Uh, firstly, uh, I knew Coach Lockley from past recruitment when he was at Alabama. Uh, and I've seen what he did previously uh, at University of Alabama with receivers and everything, and I've seen that receiver core that he had at Maryland, and I felt that there was a talented receiver group. I felt that I can come in and contribute as well, and uh, I've seen that what they were doing uh, before, like actually uh, Dante Dean before he ended up getting hurt the previous season. Yeah. i seen he was, he was he had one heck of a heck of season going on before, and I was looking like, they ain't throwing the ball, and I seen that they had just broke that uh, uh, passing record that they had, too, as well, just as previous season. So I was like, they all adding up for what I wanted to do. So I felt that it was best for me to just go ahead and take my time and go to the uh, University of Maryland. Jacob, uh, how much was it off-the-field stuff that helped Mike Loxley sell you on coming to Maryland, that he'd be there for you and have your back? Uh, just a relationship outside of football. It was just like he was more of a per- uh, people's person. And, like, once he built that relationship with you, it's like everything is always going to be genuine. It's like, never going to be a disclaim or this, that. It's always going to be if you need a call or whatever you need, he'll always be in your corner and you always call on him or whatever. So I always respect him for that. He is really a, he's a he's a special guy in yeah, that way. No like and, and, and every time we talk to a player about him, he's like he's just different. He's real. There's something about him um, that isn't the same. Jacob Copeland's with us here on GCR. Uh, it, Jacob, you brought up something there. It's Maryland's kind of become wide receiver you right over the last few years. Did did you feel a little bit of just being a wide receiver at the University of Maryland, given the success that the you know Stephon Diggs, the DJ Moore's, the Tory Smiths have had in recent years that 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 you know, in some weird way, there's going to be a, a somebody that looks at you in this process. Like, well, if it's a wide receiver from Maryland, we got to take a look at this dude. Yeah, uh, watching Stephon Diggs and DJ Moore, most definitely. Like, they was always big names. They 
some players that stood out during their college years, uh, college football and all that. Uh, just knowing what they did previously at Maryland was really was just helping the upcoming that was at Maryland. So I felt that it'll all play out right and play smoothly for the next next generation of receivers, like which I was included in. No question. Jacob, do you have any doubts now that you're on the outside looking back in that Mike Loxley can take Maryland to that next step where they're truly, I'm not saying year in and year out, better than Ohio State or better than Michigan, but is is in the in the conversation? Uh, I honestly feel like it is. Like, I feel like he most definitely going to take it there because I feel he had the experience being at like more of a bigger bigger school. Yeah, like being at I mean, he he know that culture for winning. Like being up on the save and all that. So he like he built that establishment and he felt like he can be a part of some. And he's going to add on to that. Like, he learned from one of the best coaches in college football, and I feel like he can add on his knowledge as well. So, as him bringing in top talent and top recruiting to University of Maryland, it's all going to – it all depends on the time. Like, sooner sooner or later, like, Maryland going to be one of them teams that people going to be like, okay, I want my kids to go here. I want to go here or this and that. Like, because some fact of what Coach Lockheed built in Maryland. That's really – that's a strong way of saying yeah. it, man. And by the way, look, you know, and a lot of us were worried with you guys not playing in the bowl game. We were like, oh, this could get ugly. Like, all the receivers are off getting ready for the draft. And sure enough, they go down. They beat a really good NC State team and what's essentially a home game for them down in Charlotte. Like, man, it, it, just, it just keeps churning. It's it's amazing to see. Um, Jacob, let's talk, let, let's talk to about you, right? Like, your path to this point. And I saw you post on Twitter about, like, what it meant to you to get – an invite to the combine and knowing you were on the precipice of reaching this moment. When did this become yeah. real for you in your life? Like when did you first say to yourself, I- I've got a chance to do this, to be an NFL player and to be this, to be the way that I make my living. Uh, really just over the course of my career, like I felt that every year I became better and better and I speak and succeeded at everything that I was doing. I feel that, I wasn't having the, the most exciting career, but I feel that I had one of those successful careers in college that I can go back and speak on, like, hey, I did this, now I accomplished this. So I feel that uh, all those things contributing came together as one. So I feel that then, then receiving that, uh, com- uh, the combine invite was 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 another stepping stone for me. So it was like, okay, he truly like, I didn't have the best thing that I had Mar- that I wanted at Maryland. Right. Like, with, with that season that I had, like, the, the scouts and everything, it didn't go unnoticed. Like, the scouts knew and they knew what I could contribute to. They knew what I could do. It was clear, right? And, like, I think that there's a lot of, and, you know, obviously you went out and showed it in Vegas. That week to you, I, I kept hearing everybody talk about that your name came up a lot in that conversation. What was that week yeah. like for you to be able to, again, remind everybody, to your point, like, maybe I didn't have the most productive season that I could have had at the University of Maryland, not, to take nothing away from it, but to remind everybody of what you're capable of doing matched up against the best players in the country. Uh, I feel that uh, once I had that chance to really showcase myself from the scouts, I was like, it was going to be off nerves. I feel that it was going to be a lot of more physical receivers than me, a lot of more speed than me, and I felt that I was always going to be one of those receivers that stood out from everyone. And uh, I felt that as I did that, uh, everything else worked out perfectly fine for me. So it was like coming out there to Vegas, uh, level head level and everything i said that all i had to do was go down put my head down and go to work and uh, everything else show for itself which it is so i feel good about it 
Jacob, I'm just curious about the process of getting ready for it. Are you working with a coach or a couple people that are taking you out to do workouts? Uh, You're not just going to go out there and have him worked out in a month or something like that. Talk a little bit about the process of being ready to impress there at the Combine. Uh, As of right now, uh, where I'm training at, uh, throughout the week, we uh, actually the receivers work out with Anquan Bowden, so I feel sure. that yes, yeah, he had a lot of he had a lot of success at the uh, NFL. So uh, learning from him and taking some knowledge from him, it really helped me out uh, over the time of this process. Damn, that's a pretty yeah, good Anquan one. Bolden's a pretty good guy. To, it's a it's a it's studying a, with. It's a, rev- a revered name back here in Baltimore, yeah. Jacob. We treat him like he's the greatest wide receiver of all time. I, I I'll I'll lean into that a little bit, right? Like, how much did you enjoy your time in Maryland? We have a we have a pretty serious wide receiver need in Baltimore right <laughs> now, and you know we're we're hoping that it's going to work out with Lamar Jackson to stick around. Like, what what would that maybe mean to you that the possibility of getting to stick around after getting to know this area over the last year? Uh, I I, I absolutely be fine with that. Like, yeah. I, I as coming to Maryland first, I really didn't know the area. Or know what I was really coming to, so I really come in blind. But uh, as, after a while, uh, getting to know a few people and uh, players and everything who's actually from around the way and here showing me the ways around uh, the DMV, it was just like I really could make this a home. Like I felt comfortable around, so it was cool. like if it was to come down to it and I was to be with the Ravens, uh, I can deal with that. I can I most definitely work with that. Right, we like the sounds. Of that. By the way, what's the best thing you've learned from Anquan being around him? Right, like to your point, that dude was a monster. Like it. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't born. He was like a Dennis Rodman. Yes. You know, at 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 clearing Boxing the way for out. his rebound. You Correct. know, which is his catch. Uh, uh being around Anquan is just like he really teaching you, teaching you the thing that you should. Well, basically, what you're gonna need to know going to lead. Like, it's not all about the high fast or this and that is about how you do things like basically it's like the work ethic and everything basically how you being a receiver how you gonna run your routes and how you gonna prepare for this week prepare for this opponent and how you gonna beat this opponent out on this play or this or this rep basically just just doing all the basics of the receivers work like the, the thing that you'll need to know to be able to go against a player like Jalen Ramsey and and all those players. It's cool. And my last question for you, Jacob, is when you'd made the decision to come to Maryland, how important was it that there was a quarterback in place like Talia Tangliavoa? And, and and how much credit do you give him for some of your success? Uh, knowing that Leah was there, because when I came in actually on the official, that was my first time actually meeting Leah. So, uh, when I, I, I didn't know what to expect from him at first, but when I met him, I seen the vibes. I was like, okay, he's cool. He's like, he, he, I can rock out with him. Like, we we can we can build some. I feel. And when I came in, uh, he was in Macona helping me out with the plays and everything. So he was always love with that. Uh, just being around, I knew what he could do on the field. Like I watched him before. Like I said, like I wasn't just coming into the program not knowing what they did because I actually saw what they had accomplished in previous. So like, uh, I seen what he could do on the field, and I seen what the talent uh, he was bringing to the team. But I didn't actually see it in person until I actually got there. When I seen when I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, this one's an amazing player. Like, this one's a player that you can really count on when it's time. And I just seen it in play. I just seen it in games and all. So, it was like, building that success over uh, the screen really helped me as well with Leah. And uh, just seeing it out there on the game field, during the games, seeing some of the 
playmaking that he did, was looking at, I was looking at like, man, this is crazy thing that he do. Like he really one of those players that you can call on that guy. That's cool. So, that's yeah. cool. We're really excited about having. We would have loved to have all you guys back for another year. Yeah. We we get it. You're already five years into this thing. Like you got bigger plans. You got to get things. some, some <laughs> cash. Yeah. You got to get some cash. Uh, but man, we're excited that Lee is sticking around for another year. He might break every record in the history of Big Ten football. Oh, doing that. That. I, I, I believe he'll break every record though. He, he, he already broke half, so I feel yep. like. It ain't much more he can break, but he's going to break. I feel like he's going to break some more, though. There's no doubt, man. Hey, before uh, we let you go, we, I, I kind of jokingly said we're hoping to, to keep Lamar around, and I, I mean that. I'm, I'm hoping that that works out. Um, if, for some reason, it doesn't, there are a lot of people that have brought up a name that you know uh, fairly well, which is Anthony Richardson as perhaps being a guy that could end up being um, the next Ravens quarterback. What could you tell us about your time around Anthony Richardson when you were down at Florida and – you know, maybe why that guy is deserving of an opportunity to be a first-round pick this year and, and have a franchise say, we believe in you. Uh, Anthony Richardson, he really one of a kind. That's coming out in the draft of my eyes. Like, I've seen the work that he put in day in, day out, but it's like he naturally has a talent that you can't deny. Like, it's it, it just in him. Like, it ain't something that was already built on him. He's building upon that talent, but something that was already in him so i've seen the work he did and i've seen the things that he do like you can't you can't deny that like a lot of scouts here has with like he probably ain't had the most successful season this past season because i said that he didn't it was just a new system that was coming in and and a younger receiver core uh they had as well so i feel that with everything with that like they seen a glimpse of everything that he was doing this previous season like he's not it's not a mistake like you pick him in front, not a mistake. Like he's one of those players going to put in that work, and he's going to really show you why he was deserving to be in that first round, wow. in that first round. Hey, I, before I let you go, if I could, just you're, you know what jumps out at me, Jacob? It was great. It was a lot of fun to watch you play this season, but I think even more so, like what you show to other guys about the opportunity that you could have at Maryland, even if you're not from here. But what's going on here? Do you? Do you always find yourself like, you know, trying to talk to other guys about that? Like, hey, man, you know, like be aware. You you might not have thought about Maryland football at all, but be aware of what they've got going on there because it's not a bad place to be. Yeah, most definitely. I didn't told a couple players that, like, uh, players who actually hit transfer portals and all that, they didn't contact me as well. And I told them that uh, I had a time in Maryland. Like, it, was, it was fun being there and uh, just being around the whole thing like the football program this thing seeing that the success that they're building uh it was a great thing to be around uh and what Coach and them have going on is one of the special things too as well so i feel that uh for the players that are listening uh and hearing me out like to this day like uh if maryland is in your boat or in your top schools or whatever you decide not going with uh most definitely check it out i ain't telling you just take your chance and go there but i feel like you should check it out before you make it a final decision that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, all right, make sure you're giving Jacob Copeland a follow at SPJ underscore J-A-B-O on Instagram, at Jacob, the number one era on Twitter. Jacob, is there anything else we can plug for you, man? Oh, no, nah, man. That'll be all, man. I appreciate y'all for having me for sure. Hey, Jacob, really enjoyed watching nice you play this you, season, Jacob. man. Best Good of luck. luck. And please understand, if, if it ends up being Baltimore, we can't wait. It would be the greatest thing ever. Just if it ends up being Pittsburgh, please don't be offended by the things that we say about you on Twitter, <laughs> all right? We promise we don't actually mean them, all right? L.I. Appreciate it. Hey, Jacob, thanks for taking the time, man. Jacob Copeland uh, from the University of Maryland. Appreciate him doing that as uh, all three, he, Dante Demas, and Rakim Jarrett, all getting ready 
for the NFL Combine. Three Maryland wide receivers all headed to the Combine and all expected to hear their names called during the NFL draft, which is pretty remarkable. And Excuse me. I went to bed last night, and I didn't know this trade had been made. Did you know the Phoenix Suns have acquired Kevin Durant? That was two Durant? nights ago. It was two nights yeah, ago? It was two nights ago. <laughs> I thought yesterday yeah. I kept hearing oh, yeah. that. I was, was no... I was freaking out yesterday. Wow. Yeah, the deadline was yesterday afternoon. Uh, it ended up being insane. Okay. The NBA trade deadline ended up being nuts. Wow. I, I guess NBA teams just hate second-round picks now. Like, none of them. Right. They just like every trade was like. Five uh, second-round picks. 100%. Round it was, like, we're going to give you 27 second-round <laughs> picks. It's the weirdest trade deadline of all time and the number of second-round picks. Who did the Nets get back for Kevin Durant? Uh, Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, and uh, Cam Johnson. So they didn't get DeAndre Ayton. Jay Crowder's right. already on the way to Yeah, Jay, Crow- Jay yeah. Crowder already got traded to Milwaukee. Okay. And what was the other side of that? That was Did they get a couple seconds in that? Wasn't it like Ibaka, who they already waived yeah, or yeah, something Ibaka, like that? and then like five second-round picks. Yeah, just a billion. <laughs> well, they got four first-round picks from the Suns. Oh, they oh, did get we, four. We learned yesterday unprotected first round picks now wow. again with the core that they have yeah there is no reason why the sun should be picking in the top 10 anytime soon right so i i if that's what it took to get the deal right. done was right. to make the, right. the picks unprotected i i get it right like if you're the phoenix suns and their new owner who again heck of a first 12 hours uh, wow. as the new owner of the phoenix suns I can get why you're like. I thought like, I was giving you some breaking oh, news. Oh no, we did a, the myth. We ended up doing. I could have sworn yesterday I was driving around hearing that there's talk. Uh, the Nets have not decided they're going to trade Durant. No, they, said, they, the deal got done at like one in the yeah. morning on Wednesday night. That's why I missed it. And <laughs> and I I told the story that I was I was sitting up watching the white because I'm trying to get caught up in the White Lotus. I'm sitting up watching the white, no no puking kid this time. But sitting up watching White Lotus, all of a sudden I looked down at my phone and I let out a noise. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn yeah. went shrieking. Because yeah. you're a Suns fan. I'm a Suns fan. You. This is Congrats very exciting. Where are you on the do you hate Kevin Durant thing? Where are you with all that? So, Thank no, you. I don't Thank hate you. Kevin Durant. I, th- well, it's, it's, no, we're I'm not, not, a, we're big not doing I'm not, not doing a big fan of Kyrie Irving's. Well, sure, I get yeah. that. Yeah, I'm a, I, I completely understand that thought Did you process. ever see Durant sit down with David Letterman? On your I next guest, I feel like I did. It was it's, great. It's, it was great. You couldn't hate I should him. Go, I should go back and watch yeah. it. There is so much. I don't even know what to call it. There is this like in, this hate that exists. Griffin is in this category because people are so mad that he went to the Warriors a few years ago. Right. Like every player doesn't go join a super team at this point in the NBA. Like that's not how basketball exists. Is that every player ends up partnering up with other good players? That's the way that things go. How how in the world, by the way, did the Houston Rockets end up with John Wall again? Well, what was that? Trade? I guess the word is that they're going to release him again. Okay, like that's the word <laughs> that he's going to become available. The NBA and trades, he, uh, they just uh, they they always mystify me. Oh, so, I yeah, never. It is a weird. It's such I mean, a weird. Day. I'm not that up on on the machinations yeah, of right. how these deals are made. To to your point about the. Tra- the deadline being insane. There were three teams that did not make a trade uh, in the so, so far in the month. Of, well, I guess that can't anymore. But in the month of February, three teams did not make a trade a- of any kind. Yeah, like like every team in the NBA except for three. three. Yes, it was the was Cavs, the Bulls, a- and the Wizards. <laughs> so bonkers. The Wizards, the Wizards made, made a trade about yeah, two weeks yes, ago. Right? They made it in January. So right. the only and no team in this calendar year except so the Bulls and Cavs were the only teams that. And and there are a lot of Wizards fans. That just can't let go of John Wall for some reason. Hey, if they brought him back, and dis- be... why? Whatever. I'm not even why gonna, not? 
th- that's the best argument you yeah. can make. The best argument you can make. And state you're a Wizards fan. Um, the best argument that can be made about why. So the expectation is that John Wall will be released again by the Houston Rockets and will be available. And there are a group of Wizards fans who say, go grab him. Now, there's no world in which John Wall is going to be is going to matter. Like, there's no world in which that's going to be the case. But basically, Wizards fans, because they just don't have anything to be happy about, say, well, let's just do the reunion thing and have fun with it. Let's right. have I mean, John Wall and Brad Beal play together again. From and, a business standpoint, it only makes... I mean, you, you put a couple extra, you know, butts and seats down the stretch here. I mean, I mean a couple. <laughs> I, I've heard one I'd of want to go see him I, once. I've heard they couldn't wait to get rid of John Wall. There was yeah. a lot of thought. But the, but the, the fan base... It's a small group of people that really care right. about the Washington Wizards. Right. You'd start with that. Like when we say when we we joke, I joke about the fact that there's not really a lot of Wizards fans in Baltimore, and then I say there's not really a lot of Wizards fans in Washington. <laughs> like they are just not a relevant franchise in any sort of way. But within that small group that is Wizards Wall fans, was he was popular. of extraordinarily well, he was inc- before he got hurt. Yes, he was an absolutely incredible player. No question. Yeah. No question. But when he ruptured his Achilles, it. It really and then doubled down yep. after uh, rehabbing the Achilles, and he had the knee issue. Yep, correct. And it's just never been the same since then. Uh, what did you make of the in-game celebration for LeBron James the other night? The the t- sort of twenty-four minute stoppage there. I was I was expecting it. You know, I mean, I knew there had to be something. I found it fascinating. I did not really see Anthony Davis what his reaction there was a was lot like. of like there was a lot of uh, yeah, Twitter, Twitter yeah. went crazy that he seemed bored by it he was just sort of sitting back on the yeah. bench not I, caring about any of it yeah I don't know what to make of him and I yeah I don't I also don't care for what's worth like I it's irrelevant to me no. I don't it's apparently Russell Westbrook I think did something in the locker room at halftime well he got in a, a heated yeah. co- uh, argument with the coach it had nothing to do with LeBron James. Yeah, it was the fact that. Uh, but you know, Coach you're not trying to suggest Garvin. that's the reason why they traded Russell Westbrook. Well, I mean, there are plenty of reasons. I, I th- that was yeah, the I think straw because the players there yes. couldn't stand Westbrook. Correct. I look. I didn't have a problem with it per se, as much as my question would be. The comparison is, of course, Cal Ripken at twenty-one thirty-one, but that was organic. That was not planned. That was there was going to be a wave. There was going to be a moment, and then we'll do everything after the game is over right. because we're trying to be respectful to the game in the process. Like right. We still have a game to play here. This clearly was planned. Like This was planned all along. We're going to stop the game and do a you know, prolonged ceremony in the middle of yeah, the game. Yeah, the commissioner was going to be there, and Kareem was there. Right, and that's – like, again, I'm not offended by it in any way because yeah. why would I care? And, frankly, most NBA regular season games don't matter anyway, right. so, like, why do you really care? But couldn't you have just waited till the game was over to do all of that? Like, I – I don't even think that the Thunder. I didn't get any suggestion that the Thunder were bothered by it no, whatsoever. Yeah. Like they, th- they had to know about it beforehand, yeah. and it's such a remarkable accomplishment. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely noteworthy. I, 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 it didn't bother me. I just it was. I wasn't, I wasn't bothered in yeah, the least. Yeah. I wasn't bothered at all. I was kind of glad because you were, it, it, it worked it out. Late, the Maryland yeah. game. The Maryland game just ended, so you were able to watch the whole third quarter. LeBron breaks the record, and I was tired, and I fell asleep right after. Right, the because it was a west. So, it was yeah. a Western time zone you, game. You know what was the most fascinating thing to find out? It was after the game when they interviewed when Shaq and that team mm-hmm. interviewed uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I had never known the fact that. Shaquille felt like 
Kareem was dissing him all those years. Did you hear it? I did not hear this interview. Oh yeah, it was fascinating. Okay, he, all right. And and they uh, and Shaquille said something about it. They've been apparently really good the last year or two, but there's this perception that they were they're not friendly at all and okay. all that. And he paid homage to uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I I have noticed there has been some. This is all these. I, I this, this is up. not LeBron, by the way. This right, is Shaquille. right. Shaquille O'Neal and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I will bring up there is there is this sort of weird obsession in media on Twitter about LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Right, there's right. Just this bizarre that you have to pick sides. Almost like Trump or n- not Trump. You know, you, you have, can't, you have, to, you have pick- to have some sort of strong conversation. Like I, to me, I think that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. But I don't feel. I would never get in an argument about it. I think LeBron James is an amazing basketball player, right. definitely the best basketball player of an era, and there is a, there is no correct answer to me about this, but you have to do this. And what that's led to is a certain percentage of Twitter that doesn't feel like LeBron or that Michael Jordan has done enough to congratulate LeBron James. Again, it was not his record, right. of course, that was being broken. It was Kareem's record, so why would Michael Jordan – be involved in this process. I guess he did put out a statement congratulating LeBron right. James, which yeah, what are they seems expecting appro- to do? Like go it, over wh- and uh, you know get him a massage or something. I have no like, idea. I, mean, yeah. like, I just think people are have become yeah. such freaks about this Michael Jordan LeBron James thing yeah, that about is insults and all that. Right. It's you know. it's led to them being detached from reality. Yeah. Like this had nothing to do with Michael Jordan. What happened this if week? If you get a chance, though, I'll watch the and, and watch it. I will. Yeah. I will watch it's that. It's very touching. That's cool. That's, I'm a I'm a Shaq fan, so I'm a big Shaq fan, I will, and I'm a Kareem fan. Of course. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Kareem is one of the most incredible humans that we've ever yeah. had in the sport. I mean, I would abs- I I love everything about that. All right. When we come back in, we will wind down for the week. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular. Tell you what's coming up this weekend. Stan the fan is here. Don't forget, whoever you're betting on Sunday, get your Super Bowl bets in with your favorite team and pick from hundreds of fun prop bets. I love straight shoot. KZ gave us one yesterday, and I put American dollars on it, which is over 2.5 players attempting a pass in the Super Bowl. So, in other words, if anyone besides Jalen Hurts well, or Patrick Mahomes attempts a pass, you would win that bet. If I, they do the Philly special. Philly special. If one of them were to get knocked out for a play, if they're anything like that. That involves another player attempting. Maybe there's a bot snap. And what's on the what's the? Uh, it's like two. It was like plus two sixty or something. I mean, it was a good. It was a healthy return. return on over two and a half players. Maybe it was two fifteen. It was definitely two to one when I got it. So I like that bet. You want to bet it? Go sign up right now. Take advantage of thousands. Which, which side do you like it on? Oh, I like the over. The over. I like the over. Anybody, anybody else, yeah. anyone at all. Patrick Mahomes, remember, has been banged up during the course of the playoffs, right? Like, takes the, one particular shot to the ribs, comes off for a play. Chad Henney goes in, throws one pass. And the Chiefs winner. have been working on that special play with Orlando Brown. That's Jr. right. Correct. This is going to be his moment. I thought Brandon Williams might get the shot. Um, thousands of dollars in sign-up offers with the top sports books available at pressboxonline.com slash offers. Where do you go? Pressboxonline.com slash offers, Stan. Right now, join the fun with great offers from FanDuel, BetMGM, Barstool, and more. Where do you go? Pressboxonline.com slash, say it all together, offers. offers. We'll come back in wrap it up for the week. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our Winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Back in here as we continue along and wind down for a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles has been in studio with us all morning. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. First of all, I want to take a second. Um, thoughts, of course, it looks like the officer who was injured last night is now in stable condition and good to is going to end up being okay. So that is good news. But our continued thoughts with them and thankfulness for what it was a quite the ordeal over the course of the last 48 hours that finally ended in the early hours of this morning with the suspect being apprehended in Hartford County, uh, bringing what for all of it, like where I live in Baltimore County, it brought things to a standstill. My uh, standstill stand, stand still. That's stand. That's stand. That's stand stool right there. That's what that is. I, I'm very thankful and appreciative and all the respect in the world to everybody in the Baltimore County police department who, this was a very trying couple of days for all of those folks and of course got a lot of help from the folks up in Hartford County when this all came to a head last night so 
uh, great reverence and respect for everybody in what was a very difficult couple of days and continued thoughts to a couple of officers who were injured in the process. That said, the Baltimore County Police Department is hiring, and they need folks who want to step up and be leaders in moments like this and be there to help when called upon and be responsible when the public needs it. And in the last 48 hours, you saw the public needed it uh, deeply. And so if you've been thinking about a career change, if you've been considering getting into policing, they start salaries for new officers at over $60,000 a year. If you're already an officer somewhere else, all, lateral officer s- salaries start at over $64,000 a year. And if you know someone who's out of high school and has been struggling to find a direction, a path, cadet salaries start at over $30,000 a year. JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com is the website. JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542 in order to find out more. They've got a couple of events coming up on February 14th. 8.30 a.m., next opportunity to take part in their agility test, which you saw me ace, and that's why I am now ready for my career as a Baltimore County police officer, but you can take that test. You don't even have to sign up. You can just show up at the Northeast Regional Recreation Center in Parkville next Tuesday at 8.30 a.m., and the next public hiring event is at the Public Safety Building in Towson coming up on February 25th at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can do the agility test, the written test, and apply right there on site with that event on the 25th. Again, join BaltimoreCountyPD.com in order to find out more. Stan, what's uh, what's the weekend look like for you, my friend? Um, going to uh, the Loyola Maryland lacrosse I'll game. I'll be there tomorrow. as well. Yeah, I'll tape the I'll tape the uh, Maryland Maryland Penn, Penn State, State game. game, and then uh, I don't know what I'll do Saturday night, but Sunday I'll be uh, glued to a television at. Uh, at six o'clock. Do you still do like a Super Bowl party? Do you get people together at all, or it's just pandemic kind of? Yeah, ended after that. On that, I end probably end up by myself. You know, that's we have. Well, that for us, it's the kids, right? Yeah. Like I stopped doing Super Bowl parties a few years ago. My wife will make some dip on Sunday. We'll let them watch the better part of the first half, and they watch the Puppy Bowl. I would, that will absolutely end up being on a television in yeah. my house on Sunday. There is no question that. And you say they. I think you mean me. me. I, Glenn Clark, at some point on Sunday, <laughs> will spend some time with the Puppy Bowl. But Puppy Bowl, what is going on today? The Puppy Bowl is Shoot. something else. I love it. It's so yeah. it's a it's awesome. It's great television. Let's get a tidbit as I struggle to the finish line this week. I hope I get it all out of my system before Loyola, Maryland tomorrow. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by. Your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, Okay, so before my tidbit, best tweet I saw yesterday, I wanted to shout out Mark Bowman from uh, MLB.com. He covers the Braves, and he tweeted, uh, so so, uh, Mike Soroka now wants to go by Michael. Okay. He tweeted, uh, truly a drop the mic moment. Yes. That was my favorite. Tweet. Yes. Second one I saw from yesterday was Pat from Patrick Beverly, who tweeted, uh, so after D'Angelo Russell got traded to the Lakers, uh, ESPN or SportsCenter or something tweeted out a photo of 
D'Lo and Pat Bev when they were in Minnesota, and they're like they're reunited. And he was like, and yeah, he tweeted the gang. Yeah, yeah. he's like the gang's back together. Yeah, that, that hours lasted, later lasted for a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. Then he went. Then he got traded to Orlando. Orlando. Yes, and then uh, also on this day in 2017, Draymond Green recorded the very first triple double without double digit points. When he had, oh, uh, I do remember yeah, that. Eleven rebounds, ten assists, and ten steals it's nuts. in twenty seventeen. Wow. Just yeah. nuts. Uh, and then also the last nine. Like, I get that Draymond Green's kind of an easy punching bag, yeah. but dude, that guy's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Like, stop. Uh, the last nine NFL MVPs to play in the Super Bowl have gone zero and nine straight up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, what was that? The last nine uh, NFL and- MVPs to play in the Super Bowl. 0-9. Oh, wow. Yeah, they have not won the Super Bowl. So, so Patrick Mahomes. Maybe race oh, over and get some man. more money in on the Eagles. Maybe race I'm over. running to do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Yeah. With, Got uh, one other question. Of the nine former MVPs that lost the Super Bowl, how many were quarterbacks, and how many times did the number three throw the football? How many I'm going to guess they're, they were all quarterbacks. Well, that's sort of my point that most of them right. are – are quarterbacks and how many threw for three in the you know like three three you know including them and their opposing quarterback and one more quarterback. oh you're talking about the, you're oh, trying to the, the over the, over I'm like wait a second what am I yeah he's really question. trying to dive in on this he's right. trying to nail yeah, this I'm trying bit. To na- I'm trying uh, I don't think Nick Foles I'm trying was to get MVP it guaranteed well, well Brady was I guess Brady was MVP that year uh, the year that they played yeah. I did, yeah, and so, lost so then the yes Eagles. the over would have gone over because indeed there was a third player that that threw a pass Trey Burton who I. One of my big misses of all time. I was so desperate for the Ravens to try to sign Trey Burton at that. Remember, this is before Mark Andrews was here. Mm. I was convinced Trey Burton was a rock star. I knew you loved him. God, um, I love Trey so Burton. So Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, they won the Defensive and Offensive Rookie of the Year awards, respectively. So the Jets became the third team no chance. ever. I, no. If you're going to gonna uh, ask me if I can name who the other ones are, uh, not well, a chance. The first one you, you definitely We well, should was. probably have guessed who the MVP was were that lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. There's no chance I'm going to remember who the offensive and defensive rookies of the year were that were on the same team. Okay, fine. Zip. Uh, but the, the Lions did it the very first time uh, in 1967, which was also the very first year the awards with were who? awarded. Uh, with uh, Lem Barney oh, okay. for one defensive yeah. rookie of the year. And Mel Farr, running yeah. back, one offensive rookie sure of the year. They were great players, yep. both of them. The 67 Lions. No world in which I was going to get that. Uh, Lem, then it, Lem Barney's a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lem, oh, Lem Barney's definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, fit that that record. They were the only team to do it for 51 years. Uh, then finally, the 2017 season, uh, the uh, Saints did it. 2017 with rookies. Michael Thomas was a. Mm-mm. Alvin Kamara Alvin was a Kamara rookie. Alvin Kamara was a rookie, and as was cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, okay. Right. I have zero yeah, knowledge so, of that. Sauce yeah, could have been here Wilson. for a long yeah. time. Uh, and then I'm gonna use. So there's a kind of transitioning into tubular. There's a at eight o'clock tomorrow on Fox Sports. They're doing the perfect ten, which. They're chronicling the 10 players to win Heisman and go into the NFL Hall of Fame. How many of these 10 Heisman do you think? trophy winners yeah. that went to the Hall of Fame? O.J. Simpson. That is true. O.J., yeah, O.J. is one of them. Definitely true. Um, um, oh, God. Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. I thought he, I thought he, he was the number one pick. He did no, not go no, to, he, he, did. he wasn't the Heisman trophy no, winner? He was not Heisman. Shoo. Oh, oh boy. God. Um, the Hall of Fame. Peyton Manning didn't win the. Oh, but Charles Woodson. Uh, yes, Charles, Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson. That's two of ten, right? Yeah, we're not doing so hot. We gotta step our game up. How about? 
How about how about Roger Staubach? Roger Staubach. That's a great one. Absolutely. Roger Staubach is on the list. It. I should have gotten that one. Well done. I'm thinking they're all I, I can't come up with one that's my, Oh, you can stop. Don't do that. <laughs> Tim Brown. Tim Brown. Tim Brown. Yes. Brown's sure. a great yes, one. Yes, Tim Brown. They're all none of them are particularly modern, right? No, they're not. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. So it is that's so I got to go tough. back a ways. This is tough. Was Barry Sanders a Heisman winner? Barry Sanders yes. was a Heisman winner in 1988. Yeah. Of course, a Hall of Famer as well. It's not Herschel Walker. It is not Herschel Walker. Eric Dickerson? Eric Dickerson is not on the list. That's Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett is on the list. That's a great one. On the Heisman Good in 76. Get. I'm going to go, because it used to be that running backs won the Heisman Trophy. I know that's hard for people of this age to believe, but running backs used to win it a lot. What about Marcus Allen? Marcus Allen is on the list. What about Dick Butkus? Not Dick Butkus. Okay. Not a lot of defensive players that won the Heisman Trophy yeah. still. Uh, what about Thurman Thomas? Not Thurman Thomas. There, I'm guessing there's more running backs, though. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Larry Zonka? Uh, not Larry Zonka. Jim Brown. Uh, yes. Or, no, 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 sorry, sorry. Jim Brown didn't win a Heisman Trophy. No, he didn't. My apologies. Hey, there's still another running back that's in the Hall of Fame. Boy, 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 boy. It's not Lenny Moore. Uh, John Riggins didn't win a a Heisman Trophy, right? No. Gail Gail Sayers Uh, never won the Heisman. I don't think he won the Heisman. Walter Payton didn't win a Heisman. No. Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell. Oh, good. Earl Campbell won well the Heisman in 77. I didn't even cheat to guess. Uh, well would you done. like the others? Uh, just give uh, me some. How would I get there? Give me. Um, well, the, there's we'll two be, more? The, two, yeah, they won the Heisman in 56 and 48. Oh, Jesus so. Christ. This is 56 and 48? Yeah. 56 and 48. Uh, this is straight shoot, by the way. I don't I don't know. Jamie, so Jamie Costello's late brother, Jack, and my, my father were very close friends in high school. Okay. And one... I don't know why we were at the Costello's family house one day. Right. And when I was young, really young, and Jamie knew I was a sports fan, and he said, "I want you to meet my uncles." And he walks me over to two uncles, and they said, "Watch as they list off every Heisman Trophy winner of all time." What? And I swear to God, the two of them just sat there, and that's what they did: is they just named all of the Heisman Trophy winners ever. Let me guess one from old days: right. Ollie Matson. Not Ollie Matson. Forty-eight. You said. Yeah. I there's very little chance of me coming up with who the 1948 Heisman Trophy winner was. Give it to you. Sure. Yeah, D- uh, Doke Walker. The Doke, Doke Walker. the actual Doke Walker. Yeah. Uh, and then what was the other year? Uh, 1956 Hall of Fame class, 1986. Uh, not was it another running back? Uh, no, not another running back. What about Paul? Oh, yeah, yes, it was. Sorry. What about yes, Paul Horning? Was. Paul yes. Horning. Mm-hmm. Paul Horning. Good answer. Yep. Good there it is. Answer. Excellent. And the, the tagline for the show is the more men have walked on the moon and then have then, then it then have won the Heisman Trophy and become a Hall of Famer. How about that? What is the what is the impotence for that? Why I don't know. Paul Paul Horning it's very weird. probably is the heaviest all time former Heisman winner. He ballooned up later in his life. Really? Oh God. Oh, I'm looking at some pictures. He yeah, you are right. One, he was a wonderful right. player. He did balloon. He was also bit. suspended for a year by Paul Rose. That's Pete right, Pete Rozelle, 100%. Gambling. Yep, absolutely. And Alex Karras at the same time. 
Stan the Fan, we mentioned you. Oh, I, let me do tubular quickly. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. It is brought to you by the print issue of Press Box. Final days for you to get this print issue of Press Box with Adley Rutschman on the cover. Then it is gone, daddy gone. And in its place next week, a new issue with Gunnar Henderson on the cover will be available for you to go pick up. Here's what's coming up this weekend, totally tubular. Not a lot tonight. Tomorrow, busy day, as Stan mentioned, Big Ten Network, Penn State, Maryland hoops at noon. CBS Sports Network, Army-Navy hoops at 1.30. Towson's at Drexel tomorrow for basketball at 2 o'clock. ESPN Plus for Maryland, Loyola lacrosse at 1. Georgetown Hopkins lacrosse at 1. Loyola-Lehigh basketball at 7. Everything else, go to glennclarkradio.com. Find it there. Towson lacrosse opens up the season at Mount St. Mary's tomorrow at 3. And on Sunday, of course, it's the Super Bowl. That's what matters. It's 6.30 on Fox, and there'll be day-long coverage everywhere. The Maryland women are at home against Illinois at 1 o'clock on Sunday on Big Ten Network+. Plus. Uh, there's a UFC fight as well on Saturday oh, yes, night. We talked yes. about yesterday, Volkanovsky and Makachev. That's on, the only one that really matters. On pay-per-view. So. Uh, anything else that's going on this weekend? This uh, yeah, not a whole lot either. Paul Rudd's going to be on Fallon tonight. Uh, there's a movie out on Netflix that's called Your Place or Mine with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. Um, yeah, I don't think that one's going to show up at Glenn Clark's house. It's going to pass. Okay. Um, at the Last of Us episode will be available today on HBO Max since okay. the, like the Super Bowl's on Sunday night. Oh, sure. Um, and uh, Disney Plus has a uh, Pixar short uh, with Up. It's called Doug Days, Carl's Date. Oh. Carl goes on his first date. Since, that uh, that will end up being viewed on. in Glenn Clark's house. That we will spend some time. We went to a Pixar short film festival while we were at Disney World, and they were all wonderful. Yeah, it was like a string of four. Those shorts they show before movies. The movies yeah. They're all God, good. They they're were incredible. Good. They were all so incredible. All right. Very good. Find the rest of it at glennclarkradio.com. You mentioned not sure yet about Monday night. Not sure yet on Monday night. But we'll, we'll work something next out. Next Thursday, Jackie McWilliams and Al Jackie Hutchinson. Jackie McWilliams and Al Hutchinson talk about the CIAA basketball tournament. And Men's and women's. It's coming to the new... This will be the first event at the CFG Bank Arena. CFG. New, i got to get that down in my New vernacular. downtown arena will be the first opportunity for you to see what it's all about for the CIAA tournament. And, of course, you'll be on tomorrow morning with the guys on the bat around. I'll be on about 1020 tomorrow. Talking baseball. Of course, Paul and Zach every Saturday morning talking baseball. At Stan the Fan on Twitter. Good to see you. Glad you're doing well. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with us. Thanks as well today to Jacob Copeland from the University of Maryland. Thanks to Brian Billick. Thanks also to Quint Kesnick. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. We'll be back on Monday. Jeremy Conn will join us. Stuff and things, Super Bowl. I'm going to guess. Yes, a lot of that. Thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Casa Sin, Maryland Jockey Club, Great Eights Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialists, UMBC Athletics, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go all local hoops and lacrosse teams. Go somebody else throwing a pass in the Super Bowl. Duke sucks.